This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome back, everybody, to Wrestling Omakase. It is episode number 187. Uh, this week, it's time to start our annual year in review series. Uh, the series this year will be a little more condensed since we're starting uh, quite a bit later than we usually do. But we'll be doing two episodes here on the free feed. Uh, this one is, of course, our miscellaneous Puro episode. Where we cover everything other than New Japan, DDT, and Joshi, since they all get their own episodes. Uh, next week on the free feed, we have a big stacked New Japan episode uh, with Joe and Rich from the VOW flagship and Joel and Damon from Super Jcast. That's already been recorded, so I can tell you that it was a great episode and you'll uh, definitely want to tune back in next week for that. So that'll also be on the free feed. And then um, the other two episodes, DDT and Joshi, will both be on the Omakase Patreon. So definitely check that out at uh, patreon.com slash wrestlingomakase. I'll go through some of the other stuff on there uh, in a little bit after I introduce my guests, but the other two uh, year interview episodes will be on the Patreon this year. Uh, of course, the year interview episodes, we do these every year, basically just cover, you know, what the year was like for the promotions that we're talking about in that episode, and then we go through award picks for the promotions and the promotions we're talking about, uh, plus we answer some of your questions. Uh, pretty, pretty simple, I think, but if you're a first-timer, I did want to explain that. Obviously, the year 2020 sucked in a billion different ways, but, you know, I still wanted to talk about the uh, best and worst of what wrestling had to offer in that year. Uh, you may notice this year we're not doing WWE because I didn't watch it. <laughs> That's pretty much all it comes down to. We've done it every other year, I think, but, like, I really just, I watched, like, two hours total of it after February, so, like, I couldn't do empty arena WWE. And I, I like, put the... I, I still ask people if they want to do it, and the answer I got was pretty much, like, no. <laughs> so, I don't think anyone watched it this year, So uh, or no one, you know, connected to Voices of Wrestling. So, that's why there's no WWE year interview this episode this year. I know that might be disappointing to some of you, because uh, I've heard that those episodes are pretty funny to listen to, I guess, but uh, in the past few years. But, yeah, we didn't do one this year. Uh, there's also no AEW slash ROH episode like there was last year. Mostly just because I didn't want to talk about AEW. There's really no other good reason. I did watch plenty of it. Uh, just people people get very mad online if you bury AEW. And it would be more of a burial than positive. Because I didn't, I didn't love a lot of their year. Other than, uh, you know, a few matches here or there. 
So, you know, I just didn't feel up to doing it. So that's really, there's really no other good reason. I just didn't feel like doing it. But we're sticking to Japan this year with the year in review. And we're kicking it off here with a great panel to talk about basically uh, every Japanese men's promotion under the New Japan and DDT. So we start out here with Paul. Uh, all three of these are voice wrestling contributors. But uh, hello, Paul. What's up? Hello, John. I'm coming to you from my beautiful stopover in Germany at the moment before I head down to the Mediterranean to enjoy the sun of Rome. So next time I'll be on an Omakase, I'll be coming to you probably from like a beach or like a Roman terrace drinking <laughs> a glass of wine. Is that like the have you is that the, the stereotype of Italy? It's all beaches. More or less, it's either that or it's like you're in some like ancient villa, like looking over the hills, drinking some like old wine or something like that. At least that's how I imagine it. I I can report to you if that's accurate or not. So you've never been to Italy? No, I have been to Italy. Yeah. I've actually been to Italy this year. It was actually my last vacation. I went to Naples in January and. It was pretty much like that, but now I'll see if it's actually like that if you live there. Gotcha. Well, welcome back to the show, Paul. Uh, also, here is Gerard. Hello, Gerard. Hi, John. Uh, despite being falsely accused by you as the imposter <laughs> in Among Us and subsequently ejected, I decided to be magnanimous and come on the show this week. We, we've been playing some voice wrestling Among Us games, and uh, I'm, I don't know, I guess I'm too good at talking my way out of trouble. I also keep... a notorious self-reporter. <laughs> no, am I am I the big self-reporter? I think it's other people. I don't self-report that much. You certainly so. have, but we okay. all have. So. Yeah. But yeah, there, there was that one guy that uh, Griffin, another Voices Wrestling contributor, brought on who was like self-reporting every dead body. I don't know if you were there for that, but it was like every yeah, single time. Yeah, every single kill he would self-report and be like, okay, buddy, <laughs> you're not finding every dead body. Like, you gotta cut chill with the self-reports here. But, uh... But yeah, it was something. Uh, enjoy enjoy playing Among Us, even though I know we play with my girlfriend too, Nicole, and she's been like, why are you so good at talking your way out of all this trouble? This is kind of concerning, actually. But what are you going to do? I used to play poker. That's what, that's what I'm uh, blaming it on, I guess. But other than that, Gerard, how you been doing? Uh, not bad. Uh, just been doing this sort of marathoning catch-up with a lot of things. I stuff a little bit of stuff for this episode but even stuff like beyond like december's often my like joshy uh catch-up month as well yeah so we will do a joshi episode with uh it looks like with taylor from the jumping bomb audio and uh luke from the apricot pod the same lineup from last year which we have to schedule that episode actually which reminds me to do that after this but yes gerard thanks for coming on again also finally here we have the big baby Mr. John Hernandez, a joke, yeah, no baby. No. <laughs> a joke no one's going to get. But. Yeah, I was wondering if that would come up. Yeah, like you <laughs> said, um, with all the Among Us we've been playing, I'm already wondering which of you are lying about what you've been up to. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, glad to be glad to be back. I feel like you are the imposter a lot when I play with you. I don't know why that is. Like I, part, part of the reason why I get away with so much lying, too, I've, re- I've realized is because... I legitimately am not the imposter that often when we play. It doesn't seem to give me imposter very much. And, like, I feel like every time I play with you, you're the imposter. Yeah, I, I pull imposter a lot. It's really stressful. I wish it would happen less. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's it's really, you mentioned it before, Griffin's the real uh, the real bastard of the game. Yeah, Griffin, Griffin... he'll lie in a way that'll offend me. <laughs> well, Griffin, Griffin will either be the imposter or he'll die immediately. Like, every time he's not the imposter, he gets killed. Like, first fucking thing. So, 
I mean, we can bail on this and just play Among Us instead. <laughs> we could. There you go. Uh, but do you want to, to tell the people why you're the big baby? Oh, I played <laughs> with friends of mine before. Like, I played when, like back when Among Us first became popular again. I played one night ever. And everyone, I don't know, everyone had, like, stupid names. So, I, I know, I think I was drinking. I, I typed in Big Baby John. I had no idea I had done that. <laughs> and it saves whatever you typed in last. Uh, and uh, now when I play with the, the voices of Wrestling Slack, I, uh, I'm i the Big Baby John. Yeah. And uh, I hope it sticks. I think it's pretty cool. And it's funny because <laughs> you're always playing with me. So instead of just saying John, everybody's like, the Big Baby. The yeah, baby. <laughs> so. Glenn Davis retired. The door's open for me to take over <laughs> as the new big baby. There you go. All right. So uh, we are here to talk about, like I said, mostly, I think mostly three promotions. I think mostly Noah, All Japan, and Big Japan. But we'll touch on Zero One. Uh, we'll touch on Dragon Gate. There's a very great dedicated Dragon Gate podcast on this network. So I didn't want to step on their toes too much. With well, the other promotions, obviously, I do not have a dedicated podcast anymore since Burning Spirits. Uh, went away many years ago now but yeah that's mainly what we'll be covering today uh before we get into that i just need to plug again the wrestling omakase patreon so right now you can sign up for five dollars at patreon.com slash wrestling omakase uh some of the stuff that's been going on there this month i've been doing my series covering every tokyo dome main event in chronological order uh not just new japan not just wrestle kingdom or not just one four i guess i should say but every single domain event is what we're going through. We're doing about two a week, so uh, we've gotten through 89 and 90 since we started. Uh, I think we'll, we're gonna. I'm gonna keep going all the way through January, so like not just after, like even after Wrestle Kingdom. So so I think we're gonna get up through. I think I calculate like to 95 probably before we put a pause on it and resume it next year. But yeah, I mean it's been a lot of interesting stuff. Um, you know, we did an episode on the. UWF uh, Tokyo Dome show, which was really interesting because I got to go into the really convoluted history of the uh, newborn UWF, as it's called, the second UWF and uh, the first UWF and the 10,000 offshoots that came out of the UWF and how they all ended up being way more influential, you know, even than they look at first, like, because they all spawned, like, you know, six different things. (laughs) I mean, I totally forgot until I researched that, that, like, Battle Arts came out of one of the UWF uh, spinoffs, I guess you would say. It was really, really something. But yeah, I mean, there's all, you know, I think most people know that Pride came from one of them and, you know, Pancrase and like all the MMA stuff came from these Japanese wrestling promotions. So it's very interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was just one example. We did the, a couple of Noki matches. Uh, Noki against this giant Georgian judoka from the Soviet Union was the first ever Tokyo domain event. That was really interesting. Uh, we did Stan Hansen versus Hulk Hogan from the Wrestling Summit, the show that was like a giant meltdown. So if you want to hear me talk all about this stuff, and then uh, coming up this coming week, we'll be doing Ric Flair and Tatsumi Fujinami, which is the next one coming up on the uh, Starcade in Tokyo Dome, the original one from uh, 91. So, you know, tons of stuff coming up with that. And we'll, we'll be getting to the SWS, which I, uh, the Super World of Sport, the uh, Eyeglass Bureau or Money money pro wrestling whatever you want to call it that'll be really fun to talk about so yeah that's all on the patreon that's the main series that we're doing right now but obviously like i said we'll be doing the ddt and joshi interview episodes um you can vote in the patron awards right now if you're a patron uh you know we do the omakase year-end awards every year with the guests but this year i'm doing a patreon version too so uh omakase patrons can vote 
and gotten some great and really interesting results so far. And, you know, that'll continue up until uh, you can vote up till January 1st. So you still got some time if you want to sign up and get your votes in. And we'll go over that when we do the year-end award episodes. I'll cover the, uh, the guest awards and the patron awards. So it should be a lot of fun. So, yeah, all that stuff, only $5, uh, patreon.com slash wrestlingovercase. Um, and we'll be doing some kind of Wrestle Kingdom coverage exclusively on the Patreon, like probably a, uh, I don't know if it's going to be exclusive coverage. Uh, probably, well, the definitely the YouTube will be exclusive if you want to hear live afterwards. We might do an episode too. We might put them together for a free feed episode, but I'm thinking of doing some kind of maybe like a call-in thing. I haven't really worked it out yet, but it'll, there'll be some kind of Patreon exclusive coverage uh, for Wrestle Kingdom this year. So definitely going to want to check that out in January. Uh, so again, patreon.com slash wrestlingomikase. Okay, let's get into what we're here to talk about, which first of all is pro wrestling Noah will be the first topic we cover. Uh, I think Noah's year, I would say critically acclaimed for sure. I mean, this was a year where it seemed like more and more people really jumped into Noah. Um, you know, I think they had a good 2019, but they definitely seemed to uh, you know, reach even more people and really, uh, you know, become more of a darling this year than even they did last year. You know, really, I, I think when we, we talked a lot about this during the New Japan episode that uh, you guys haven't heard yet that, uh, you know, I've already recorded, but, you know, the New Japan maybe not giving some people what they wanted this year with the main event specifically probably did, um, you know, help Noah a lot and help people kind of find Noah. So I guess, Gerard, I'll start with you. What do you think of Noah's year on, on like, the whole? And do you think my uh, my little thing there about New Japan and Noah is kind of correct, or is it wrong, or what do you think? Uh, I'll start off by saying I think you are correct about your analysis of sort of uh, in the international fans outside of Japan uh, picking up on Noah this year compared to New Japan. I will say that uh, Noah is my promotion of the year, and I thought that its highs were so high that it um, totally made up for some of the crap that did happen, particularly around the Fujita match and other empty arena shows like the Tag League and the and all of the ongoing junior shenanigans, which are continuing. That also happened on the last show like a day ago. But just the highs. I thought the N1... The N1 did not peak as high match-wise as the G1, I think, overall. But I enjoyed the sort of stories being told in the N1 more than the stories being told in the, in the G1. So um, I think that was a big factor in why I went with Noah being promotion of the year. I mean, there's a lot of things I could nitpick, but just there was no sort of hesitation when I said, this is my promotion of the year. Yeah, to me, it's the M1 was definitely for sure the second best tournament, I think, of the three. Like, I, I still enjoy the G1 more, but the N1 was a very good tournament with some really uh, outstanding matches, and I thought a really, really outstanding final, but I seem to be higher on the final than a lot of people even. Um, whereas the G1, you know, I had more, you know, more matches with higher ratings and stuff, so I did, I did think it was a better tournament overall, but it probably also helped that the you know, the M1 just wasn't nearly as long, uh, you know, as the G1, which just made it a much easier tournament for people to watch and keep up with. Uh, Paul, do you have any thoughts, I guess, on Noah's year as a whole? And, you know, where where do, do you think the New Japan stuff affected it as well with people finding it in the West? Uh, yeah, I think that definitely has been affected because I think Noah really kind of started to explode kind of 
around N1 time when like New Japan kind of had come back and people were kind of a bit turned off by the evil stuff. I mean, like even before all of that, like my idea was like to actually like start off like regular like Noah coverage for like Voice of Wrestling as well. Actually, in theory, my first idea was to kind of start with the Tag League, but then let's just say Tag League probably wouldn't have been a good way to start covering Noah and it actually kind of turned me off the promotion at least for a little bit until they like got me right back like a little later. Um, but yeah, I think like the N1 was tremendous and like to me, obviously, like the, the G1 had a lot more great matches kind of volume-wise simply because there were more people in there and the average talent level in New Japan is higher than in Noah, but I also enjoyed the N1 a lot more than I did the G1 overall simply because I felt it was a much more compact tournament which I think really helped my enjoyment of the tournament as well. And then obviously, like, the top of the card stuff in Noah was just so tremendous that, like, I think it's undeniable that it was, like, one of the top promotions in Japan and the world in 2020. Uh, John, anything to add on this topic? Um, you know, I think it's a big case of timing with Noah. And, uh, you know, just as all the evil stuff that people were really divided on was happening. Um, people start catching wind of the Shiozaki run. And I also think they benefit from uh, like this top tier main event stuff they have been churning out that really makes people, like Gerard kind of touched on this, that really makes people forget some of their shortcomings. And I think like, even if you look at the empty arena stuff, like I think like I'm, we, uh, Paul brought up the tag league. It's a great example that I think the empty arena stuff they did was pretty dreadful for the most part. But when you look back at their empty arena part of the year, you're just going to think of Shiozaki and Fujita. And to a lot of people, that's a positive. <laughs> Not everybody. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, big case of timing. I think sometimes we overblow just how good Noah's been below the main event. But uh, I have enjoyed Noah a great deal. I agree. And I'm glad you brought that up because I think... This, this topic came up a little bit during the New Japan one, too, which I, I shouldn't keep saying uh, stuff that came up on an episode people haven't heard yet. But basically what we were saying on that episode was, you know, even if you're not enjoying the main events in New Japan, the overall quality of the roster and the quality of the undercards, uh, you know, keep you interested and keep the promotion, you know, I think still the best promotion in 2020 was New Japan. Um, Noah is almost the inverse of that, where the... The heavyweight title stuff in Noah, especially with Goshiozaki's, you know, reign that kicked off on January fourth in a match that, you know, I thought was almost as good as the Okada Naito match, and was better than anything else in the two nights of Wrestle Kingdom, the uh, Goshiozaki Kaito Kiyomiya uh, main event from January fourth. You know, that was a four and three quarter star match for me. Um, you know that that was an incredible match that just kicked off an incredible year for Noah for as far as the Goshiozaki title reign goes. And I totally agree that that makes up for, like, you know, some of these undercards are really, like, um, you know, here's an eight-man tag with, like, old people in it. Or, like, you know, here's the latest edition of the Noah Jr. mess that doesn't really uh, make any sense or isn't very easy to follow. And, you know, it, I, like, these undercards to me are not very good a lot of the time. Or, at best, they're, like, fine. But the main events are, like, so overwhelming that are you know, so overwhelmingly good that it really goes a long way to, you know, uh, cover up for that. It's almost like 
It's very like Attitude Era WWF, you know, like ni- not even 99, obviously, which sucked, but 98, where you'd have like these awesome, like, you know, Steve Austin and Mick Foley matches that were like so fucking great at the end of the night. And then you're like, wait, didn't the rest of this card suck really bad? But not to that extreme, though. Yeah. I'm going to push back a little because, okay, so the junior stuff with the constant turns is stupid bullshit. But like Daisuke Harada. Kataro Suzuki and Yoshinari Ogawa all had awesome years that held that junior division together to the point where people are still watching the junior matches because of them, despite the like stupid stuff. That's a good I, point. There, there are there have been some really good junior matches. It's just the the booking is so stupid that it almost it 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 stands out more negative in my mind than it probably really is. But yeah, uh, yeah. It, there's a good point that the that there have been. I mean, on one of these shows, I, I don't remember what it was. It was like, uh, God, Kotaro Suzuki and like whichever one is not the former Hiroki, which I think is Hao, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hao, Hao and Kotaro. Yeah. yeah, he had a really good junior title match where I was like, wow, I did not know he had that in him, like a four star plus match. But but yeah, so the, the yeah, actual... no, I think Kotaro Suzuki's like junior title reign, like I think it succeeded. Despite the booking, almost of the junior division, yeah. And I think I think it was Jojo Remy who like posted a graph in the Voice of Wrestling Slack of like every junior's like alignment changes just this year, and it's kind of insane to see that it's like all of these people, like almost everyone, switching factions like in the year, like like literally almost everyone. I think like the only ones that didn't like switch factions like this year were. Uh, Nosawa and then how and Neo and like everyone else like <laughs> like switch factions. The uh, I want to bring that up actually because that thing is so funny. I'm trying to load it now, but yeah, the the the, the one that really got me what where I just like threw up my hands at whether it was the fucking full throttle thing, where it's like okay, this unit just fucking formed, and now they already have a new leader, and the the former leader's out of it and teaming up with a rot. Like that was so stupid. That to me was the dumbest one they did because I'm like, what was the point of this unit if you're gonna just immediately break them up and you know have the leader leave and ha- install a new leader? Like, why don't you just wait until uh, Yohei was ready to turn on them to form full throttle? Then, like, I don't understand. But I'm telling you, it, it's the... even worse than that. They they had a match series to determine the leader of full oh. throttle, <laughs> which Kotoge won, and then he immediately gets kicked out like two weeks later. Well, there you go. I'm telling you, the junior division in Noah is like the Finnegan's Wake of pro wrestling. Like, you're not <laughs> supposed to understand it. If anyone says they understand it, I assume they're lying. Uh, it, it's it's a bunch of names thrown in a hat and tossed out at random. I have no idea what's happening. I mean, that that's it, it's not like it's I don't know. It's a weird thing where it's like part of me likes it because it's so stupid. Like there there was that one segment, the full throttle uh, turn segment, and then like every goddamn junior running out and beating each other up was like almost funny bad to me. Like it's just like I don't know what's happening here. A lot of things are happening here, but sure, whatever. Uh, you know, it doesn't piss me off the way like you know WWE booking does, but it definitely is like objectively stupid. I think it's a, you know, you can't call it good. But uh, I don't know if anyone has any other thoughts on the Noah Juniors while I desperately try to find the image here because it's so funny. It doesn't even make any sense because I thought like a couple shows ago, uh, Harada had joined Segura Gun because for no reason Nosawa came out to help him because he was being attacked by, I think, Full Throttle. I can't even remember now. <laughs> <laughs> his stablemates 
or Katoga didn't come to save him. It was Nosawa. So I was like, wait, is Harada in Segura now? Which is just to say, like, how confusing the booking is. Yeah. I, don't know. I always say they should have a chart at the bottom of the screen during the junior division matches, and the different wrestlers' heads should just move between factions as each match is happening. <laughs> uh, let's see. Maybe I found it. Okay. So let's say. So Chojo Rebbe, who uh, has been on this show many times, obviously. Uh, so Neo and Howe, like you said, they started the year in Congo. They're in Congo the whole time. Uh, Tadasuke starts in Rattels, leaves Rattels in August for uh, Congo, and he stayed there the rest of the year. Uh, Hayata starts in Rattels, leaves for Stinger in June, stayed there the rest of the year. Those are kind of simple. Yohei uh, starts from Rotel. He's in nothing until September. He's in that week. There was like a period for like three months where they said they were breaking up Rotels and then they all teamed together still. And I was like, well, what the fuck is the point of breaking up Rotels then if you're just going to continue teaming for like three months afterwards? It was very bizarre. It's like definitely, I started calling them like definitely not Rotels because they were still teaming together for months. Uh, but yeah, so then, then Yohei joins full throttle and then Harada goes back to Momo no Seishin, uh, you know, to re- reforms the team with Kotoge in September. Kotoge, though, starts the year in Stinger, leaves for full throttle in May, then goes back to form uh, the Momo no Seishun tag with Harada in September. So he made three turns in the calendar year. Uh, is there anyone more absurd than that? I think that's pretty much it. Ha- you know, Haji Mohara goes from Sugiragoon to full throttle. Nosawa did stay in uh, full- Sugiragoon the entire year, like you said. So, you know. Pretty crazy. I think Yoshioka also still takes the cake where he joins the Guragon and then immediately leaves. Like, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, he starts in Sugiragoon for a, that's so tiny I didn't even see it here. Yes, yeah, a tiny little orange block from April to May, and then he joins Full Throttle. So uh, it's quite the quite the division. I think Katara Suzuki is in three different factions in one match on this uh, on the um, the show with uh, Go and Sugira. <laughs> like the at the end of the match, like three turns happen all at once that all happen around <laughs> Suzuki, I think. Okay. Well, oh yeah, because he starts out right because he gets turned on by full throttle. Did what else did he do other than form, reform the team? Wait, he's with he's with uh uh what's his name? Yu Susumu, um, who's under the mask. Um, ah, I see. And then he gets turned on <laughs> there. And then Nasawa does some stuff after and ends up picking him up. I, again, if I told you I knew what was happening, I'd be lying. <laughs> but yeah, so the junior division, very confusing. Uh, but the Gochi Ozaki title run, I think we can all agree, was quite awesome. Um, just, you know, really, really great stuff from him all year long. Uh, definitely a wrestler of the year contender. And you, he got recognized by Tokyo Sports, even though they're not going to give the wrestler of the year to... A Noah guy at this stage, which is, you know, Noah's anyone expecting that? Like, I did see some people mad, and I was like, really, you should have known better than to expect a Noah guy to win Tokyo Sports MVP in 2020. It's just the promotion is not big enough. It's not going to sell. Whatever you think of him versus Naito, uh, you know, it's not going to sell enough newspapers for them, so they're not, they're not going to do that. But, you know, he got the most outstanding, which is basically the Tokyo Sports, like, runner-up. Or like the, you know, this is who we give it to if you were giving it to someone in New Japan Award. So definitely well-recognized, I think. And I think most people, you know, who follow Noah would tell you that he had a pretty incredible title reign. Um, you know, I I did think, I mean, the most critical I can be, I guess, is I thought the, the those last two matches he had were maybe a little overrated. Um, you know, I went four and a half on the Nakajima match and 
only four and a quarter on the Sugera match, and you know those that seems to be lower than most people. Um, but I did watch them weeks later and already spoiled, so it's always you know it's always hard to tell. Almost a month later, in the, in the case of the Nakajima match, uh, so it's always hard to tell if maybe I would have liked them more in real time. But yeah, anyone? I guess Gerard, do you, what what thoughts do you have on Goshiozaki's year? Uh, he's my MVP, despite the fact that I voted for Fujita versus Go as worst match of the year. That's how much I love the rest of his reign. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was really, really good. What about the, what about his empty arena stuff? Because other than the Fujita match, because he did have a few defenses empty arena, right? With like, uh, uh, he won against uh, Akatoshi Sa- Saito, right? Which was okay. I mean, it wasn't offensive or anything, even though Saito, Saito is pretty uh, washed up at this point. Yeah, it was fine. Uh, John, any more? Any other thoughts on Go Shiozaki's year? Um, Shiozaki's not my top in-ring guy in Noah this year, but I think you gotta give. I love that title reign, even when I don't like the matches. Uh, I think like the approach they took with him in the empty arena to have the Saito match and that Vegeta match was like super interesting. Even if I never want to see those matches again, and I think like as a whole he's what ended up drawing people in uh so i I have nakajima above him as far as like a match by match thing but um you can't i can't give that rain enough credit like i won't i'm gonna think about that title reign for a while paul what do you think about go shizaki's year yeah i think it was tremendous i think he's finally fulfilling the promise that like people saw with him when he started off his career like this is finally like the guy that like everyone thought Go Shiozaki could be. So it's like, I'm happy to see that he like finally puts it all together. And I think what I find interesting is like, obviously he had like a really good, like late search as well and everything. And I reveal, reveal later whether or not he was my wrestler of the year or not, but he's definitely a good candidate for it. Uh, but I, what I actually found interesting about the Fujita versus Go match, like I'm not a huge fan of it either, but I also went in spoiled and i can kind of see where like people that watched it live that weren't expecting what happened at the start of the match probably liked it a lot more than people that did know that but <laughs> what i found really interesting is that like at least according to hisame who runs the uh the noah english twitter account uh she said that the go fujita match only came in one vote behind uh, Naito and Okada in the Tokyo Sports Award. Wow. Like, I don't know, like, how, like, because there's a lot of kayfabe with those awards, but that's really interesting. Like, if that's true, like, that that match almost beat Naito Okada. Like, that shows me that that match also found a lot of fans, like, in Japan as well. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. I mean, I, I was one of the people that really loved that match, but I, and I totally agree with you that um, if you if you were, like, I was watching it live, uh, famously, I think I've told the story a few times, but that was actually like when I had COVID nineteen, and you know, it, I was like just starting to recover from like my most serious portion of the illness. So like I'm sitting at my bed, uh, you know, sweating obviously because you know you're sweating out the illness and just like feeling like crap, but slowly starting to feel better. And that match and everything that happened, you know, it when I think about it, it feels like a fever dream. Like, quite literally, because I know I had a fever. And, you know, sitting through it and, like, watching these two uh, guys stare at each other. It's, like, one of these memories. And, like, watching Twitter react to it and everything. Uh, you know, it's one of these memories that, that I'll remember for probably for the rest of my life. Because it was just such a bizarre moment. Such a, And the, it, it helps. I really thought the match 
once he started wrestling was awesome. I mean, if they had just stared at each other for a half hour and then done nothing, it would have been, you know, much worse, I think. But, you know, um, just living through that, I think, and not knowing it was going to happen and not knowing how long it was going to go on for as you're watching it, I think, is a huge part of that. Even if you weren't, like, sweating out a novel virus at the time like I was. But uh, Yeah, I just wanted to say that match live, like, I can't objectively i don't think i liked the match but as an ex- i can't say i i dis i guess can't really say i dislike the match because watching it live i had like discord slack and twitter open like i was in like a lab <laughs> just like watching all these t- I, I won't forget that night anytime soon i had a, a great time talking about that match at least uh but yeah so the, the other thing i want to mention go i mean in my head i feel like i think he's older than he is because he's been you know sort of on top for so long I and mean, he was you know, basically earmarked as a future star of Noah, like towards the end of the peak period of Noah. Like, you know, he de- he debuted in, uh, you know, God, what was it, 2004. So you're talking about like, you know, still right in the middle of the, the peak of Noah. But I think of him as being older than he is. He's, he's 38 years old, which isn't young, but he's the exact same age as Naito, which, uh, you know, I definitely don't think of uh, the two of them. Like in my head, they're not the same age, but I mean, they're both... You know, both the major champions in Japan this year, they're both the same age, even though, to me, Go feels older for whatever reason. So he's a guy that, like, you know, maybe he was a very late bloomer, I guess, because like you guys were saying, uh, he never quite grew into the ace role in in prior attempts in Noah or All Japan. Um, But, you know, this year he really came into his own, and hopefully he'll be able to keep wrestling at a very high level because, I mean, man, that's a... if We're going to talk about All Japan in a sec here, and the big advantage... Noah has on all Japan right now is you know well they have a bunch actually when it comes to like financial power and all that but like Noah has multiple guys that feel like they can be the guy like whereas all, all Japan obviously only really has Kento so it is a it is a big help to Noah like they have Go and Kaito and then the older generation with like Sugera so it's just a just a very much more depth there. I just want to say, though, with Go, I know some people kind of see him as a late bloomer, and I suppose there's a certain level of that. But the guy got dealt a shitty hand and bad timing because he wins the JHC title for the first time, uh, what, a f- couple weeks after Misawa died because yeah. they panicked and, and Akiyama had to vacate the title due to injury. And so they put it on him and everything like that. So I wouldn't book it. I wouldn't chalk all of everything up to, like, Go not putting it together until now I, is sort of bad, some bad luck on his. Uh, no, that's definitely fair, and I thought his booking has been terrible for the last decade. I mean, what the he had that one match in all Japan where he won the triple crown from I think Joe Doring, right? Yeah, awesome he, match. yeah, and that was an awesome match. I thought like, oh, here we go, but it just I don't know. He lost the title, uh, what to fucking I think to Aki Bono or somebody pretty quickly, and it was just like, um, you know, I don't know. It's just a very. It was a very bizarre. I'm actually looking up who it was because I'm because I'm curious now. Um, yeah, he did lose to Ake Bono. There you go. Uh, but yeah, this is like it, it was a very very bizarre um, you know title reign. Like what you you have him beat during in January and feel like you're going to be the big big star, and then May you have him lose to Ake Bono. It's just you know it was just not a not a good title reign at all. And like you know that title reign back in uh, I think was 2014. You know, definitely. Oh no, 2015. I'm sorry. 
you know, definitely was not uh, helpful to him at all. He just never, you know, after that, he went back to Noah. And, you know, it just took them a while, I guess, to get comfortable with him as a top guy again after, you know, he had left the company. So, yeah, I, th- I do think a lot of it isn't, you know, like you said, is uh, kind of out of his hands. Uh, any, oh, sorry, go ahead, Paul. No, it's actually, sorry, I think you were going to ask if we have anything else for Noah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I think that's one thing I think I really want to bring up as well, which I I kind of realized when I was, like, thinking about, like, the Noah year in preparation for this, is I realized, like, how well of a job they've done building the national title as well. Mm. Like, it's actually similar to, like, the way New Japan managed to, like, build the IC title back in the day, where, like, it actually genuinely, like, feels like it's not, like, a secondary belt. It actually feels like a genuine, like, 1B to, like, the GHC heavyweight, like, 1A. Well, the 60-minute like, like, draw helped a lot, too, I think. Because you have the heavyweight versus national, and, you know, yeah. they, they go to the draw, and then neither one beats the other. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, that, like it really feels like it's a proper belt that can, like, draw on, like, a secondary show. And, like, that's all, because, like, all the people that have held that belt so far, like, they're all former, like, GHC heavyweight champions. And I think that really helps, like, build the credibility for the belt as well and that they're all taking it seriously as well. So I think that was, like, a tremendous job that Noah has done as well. And I think that's really going to help them down the line as well. I think Kano did a really good job of that title, too. Uh, that, you know, that, uh, he's a guy that I think is kind of divisive to some people, but I've always really liked him. And, you know, I thought he had some he had some really good matches with that title. And, you know, as a former heavyweight champion, he has that, uh, you know, some of that uh, credibility to bring to it. I thought he did a good job in the back half of the year with that title. Uh, okay, so any final thoughts, John, uh, Noah, before we move on? Uh, no, I just really want to double down on that national, because uh, the national championship thing. Um, I'm actually looking now. Uh, there's only one national championship match that they've had so far that isn't a total fucking banger and it is weirdly the Minoru Tanaka one mm-hmm. all the rest of these matches kicked ass it's a great belt <laughs> Gerard any final Noah thoughts uh yeah I was gonna uh talk about uh the uh well like they're not so young and this is what I was gonna get at uh Kenya Okada and uh, Yoshiki Inamura uh I didn't realize how old they sort of are they're both 28 and they both mm-hmm. only sort of debuted two years ago to put that in perspective someone we're probably going to talk about next is uh, Yuma Aoyagi, and he's only 25. So I think in 2021, you got to start getting the ball rolling, especially given this company had like not a lot of young guys for a long time. 2021, you really got to start getting the ball rolling on Okada and Inamura. And I think they kind of did, though, Inamura, didn't they? Pardon? They kind of did with Inamura. Well, yeah. I mean, like he did the job in the tag title match yesterday or whatever. Uh, but he looked pretty good. I mean, he got a lot of offense against Segura, but I would just say I hope both of those get some elevation in 2021. Yeah, I mean, Inamura to me, like the, the him leaving Congo and joining up Kaito to me was like the start of him getting his push, I thought. But like you say, he did, get, he did take the pin yesterday. But yeah, there's our Noah talk. Let's move over to All Japan. Uh, <laughs> All Japan had a 2020 uh, that I can best describe as not good. <laughs> bad not very great at all uh we have two guys here gerard and paul who both have covered this promotion as closely as anybody over the last few years or gerard really you've been watching them for decades uh so i guess i'll start with you gerard what do you what do you make all japan's 2020 where does it stand uh with some other like bad years for the promotion and 
do you think they could, you know, what what do you think the prospects are for them to recover in 2021? Or do you think the year is great for all I know? And I'm completely off base here. Uh, no, in my notes, my first line I have written to remind me to say that. What the fuck was that? <laughs> um, and it's somewhat more frustrating because if you look at some of the absolute, like, really um, shitty years of All Japan, uh, they had an extremely thin roster. Whereas, like, you can put together a pretty good show with the people that they have now. So I think, to me, it, it makes it a little more frustrating than some of the absolute... And I would say, even though... And, like, uh, 2001 sort of sands the Mudo and New Japan invasion stuff. And even 2002, when Mudo takes over, um, those aren't very good years. And I would say in-ring, they were worse than this year. But the rosters were not, like... All Japan's roster is not super deep, but they were even less deep then. And so I think it is more frustrating to see what they could do with what they have now and they're, and they're not. Um, I mean, like, it, when it comes to like trying to figure out what exactly is going on backstage in a, a Japanese promotion, no one is ever, I think, 100% correct. You don't have the sort of uh, newsletter coverage that you would being like, who's booking, who's, what crappy idea did bruce pritchard come up with this week on raw or something like that right so but obviously i think most of the idea is shuji ishikawa took over and then now tajiri is in there but maybe shuji still is and there are certain starts and stops of booking and reversals throughout the whole year although i will defend the company and this is sort of funny the ashino versus suwama triple crown match happens on uh june 30th so I really compartmentalize the year into like the first half and the second half. I will defend the first half, but the second half is when things get really all over the place and a bit of a me- well, a total mess. Yeah. So I mean, the Shuji Ishikawa thing is great to bring up because he, you know, Jun Nakayama steps down really right at the end of the year, right? Is that when June stepped down? Like he announced he was going October to October 2019. Yeah. So he he announced he was going to step down in October, but he actually stepped down in January, I think. But I don't, either way. Um, and obviously they lose Akiyama this year completely, which, you know, people... I don't know if people saw that coming or not. Gerard, did you think that was going to happen when he stepped down? He, went, he ended up going to DT. Well, I, I kind of saw it coming when we started getting the rumbles of Akiyama's going to the Performance Center in Orlando. Yeah. Because that was what got announced first. And then COVID hit, and then he went to DDT. Yeah. So he ended up going there. It's like his new thing. I mean, just was not... It was clear he did not want to stay in an all-Japan where he didn't have power anymore. So I guess you can't really blame him. But I, you definitely felt his absence, that is for sure. Uh, Paul, I guess for our other major All Japan correspondent, what do you think about All Japan's 2020? And what do you think is and isn't fixable in 2021? Yeah. So, first of all, let me say that I think the year more or less sucked. Like, All Japan has been, like, my promotion of the year, like, in the past couple of years. And I can already tell you it's not going to be the case this year. But... Let me just play like a, at least like a little bit like devil's advocate for the promotion. Like I think they out of everyone, like they were one of the promotions, if not even the promotion, that did the best during the no fans kind of stuff. Like they really kind of figured out a good system to do that. And I think that was probably like in a weird way the hardest run of the year when they had no fans, which is a weird way to weird thing to say but they really figured out a good way to do that and that was also like when everyone still had hope that they might actually push Ashino and on fans in general and then that just all ended as like fans came back and 
the how the whole year just kind of fell into the abyss. But I don't think it's like all negative. Like I think there's like at least like a little bit of like some there are some bright spots in the promotion as well. Like obviously Carnival was bad. But like the one thing I think that really flies under the radar is that like all Japan's junior division has actually improved a ton this year. Like you had the Susumu Rain at the start of the year, which was tremendous. And then you had the, uh, like, I think Koji Ibamoto has also done pretty well as junior champion so far. And they have a lot of young talent now in that in that division, which is weird because not that long ago it was just Ultimo Dragon and Tajiri doing, like, incredibly boring, rolling around on the mat for, like, 15 minutes, putting everyone to sleep matches. And now you have, like, a ton of, like, exciting young, like, high flyers even in that promotion which I don't think has ever really been a thing in all Japan. Like you have Akira Francesco, you have Atsuki Aoyagi, who I think actually is like an, a fringe candidate for like most improved because just if I compare him at the start of the year where I thought he was like the weakest of the young guys, like him now at the end of the year where he is like legit, like one of the, like maybe like top three guys in the all Japan junior division. Like I, I think there's actually a lot of like things to look forward to in 2021, but Obviously, like heavyweight booking, like is very suspect still, and maybe hopefully, like if Nomura can come back, and maybe they push Yuma and Kento, maybe uh, like maybe they finally like do something good with like Kento again as well, like maybe can improve. But as long as like Suwama and like Ishikawa keep pushing themselves on top, like it's gonna be a bit shit. But like once we hopefully at some point get past that, like I think there's still hope for the promotion. Uh, what do you think, John? Um, I think when we talk about All Japan's year, uh, what makes it even sadder is how exciting it actually was back in like January and February. Um, they start with like the uh, the Lee and Kento match that was great, one of my favorite Jake Lee matches I've ever seen. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, that, right? that match and... made me angry that they haven't like. Okay, I, I was going to go on this rant later, but I guess you brought it up. Go I on. I don't understand why the fuck. They won't give Jake Lee the fucking title. Like, I understand if you want to say Jake Lee doesn't have it to be the ace. Jake Lee doesn't have it to be the star. Fine. He's not going to be the new Kento Miyahara. But that doesn't mean you can't give him a fucking run with this title and see what he can do and put him in his different matches. You don't have to be the goddamn ace of the company to get a run with this title and, and to, like, have a chance. They won't even give the guy a fucking chance. Anymore. Like, this is, honestly, as, as someone who likes Jake Lee and thinks he gets the shit under the stick. He goes out there with Kendo and has an awesome match, and then they basically do nothing with him for the entire rest of the fucking year. And I just, I don't understand it at all. I don't know what the fuck they're doing anymore with, with Jake Lee. I mean, I really wish he would leave the company at this point, because it really pissed me off uh, that they won't even give him a shot as champion. When You know, we have Suwama on this. I like Suwama, but this reign has been boring as shit. And Suwama was not that great in the... Well, actually, no. He probably was one of the better people in the Champion Carnival compared to a lot of the shit people, that, a lot of what people did in that tournament. That's a whole other topic. But just, like, why wouldn't they give this guy even a, a chance? It just is bizarre to me that you won't even give him, like, a three-month fucking title reign. Yeah, especially because you can say he's not the Kento, um, but there is no other Kento. All they have is Kento. But uh, even beyond that, they began to do something with him. They were building the coolest fucking stable possible around him. Um because back then, Nomura was still around. Yada Yoshida was practically a roster member. Uh, and the three of them and um, Iwamoto, they have the, uh, what's it Jin. called, Jin? It's yeah. still there, right? Yeah. Uh, and that 
seems like it's going to be awesome. Kento, when Suama wins the belt, that match is awesome. And then the Champions Carnival roster they initially announced, I'd almost forgotten completely, was incredible. Yeah. Uh, and then COVID happened. Yeah, they could, they got fucked by the pandemic. That is for sure. So and, bad. And I and you know and I definitely you know I think other promotions did too. And you know maybe they just had a very a particularly bad post pandemic plan. I mean, like they. Well, I they, think well, I think all Japan might be the company that switched their booking plans the most because of the, that pandemic. Because I can see everything happening in Noah, the way it did without the pandemic. I think New Japan made a few um, modifications, but I think there's enough evidence that evil was going to win that title perhaps yeah if you believe what the evil thing the evil thing was going to happen but there's no way in hell zeus was winning that champion carnival as it was originally announced yeah and when like i could be completely wrong is because they could be just crazy egotistical bastards but when suoma won that title i was like okay this is taking it off of kento to stop him from breaking the defense record. That's something else he can do later. And I thought this was a transitional title reign for Suwama. Um, so if you ask me, I think they changed their booking more out of any other company. Yeah, but by yeah, that I, I think actually that Segura was like going to win the champion carnival. And I think he actually would have had a chance to like beat Suwama for the title as well. And then I don't know what really that plan was like from there because I would have assumed that maybe Nomura would have been able to come back at some point this I year. I think Nomura versus Sugera would have been the money feud. They Actually, if you've ever seen them, because they have been in the ring together a couple of times, they have amazing chemistry. Is Nomura... What is the deal with Nomura? Is he, do we know anything about his status? No. Okay. Said he had a herniated disc. And that's it. So we don't He's been out since February. Yeah, so we haven't heard anything. I mean, that's not good. Clearly that we haven't heard anything about him. Uh, but I guess get, get back to what you were saying, John. I, I don't remember what you were saying at this point. We all cut you off. I'm sorry. Oh no! By all, I am um, uh, honestly, the less I talk, the better for the podcast. But <laughs> uh, what I was going to say, even after that, they go to their their COVID shows, which were actually great. They yeah, adjusted the co- really their, well. Their COVID shows were really good. I do think that's say, well, maybe really good too. Show they were good. I enjoyed them for the most part. Um, I mean, it felt for a while it felt like them and Big Japan were the only people putting out anything that I could watch. So I definitely watched more of them than I did all year. But man, after that, like right after, after that. Yeah. Yep. Like, Fell it, off a fucking cliff. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't like we we've been we've kind of mentioned it, but the the fucking booking of Enfonts to, to book like everybody's so excited for that that invasion and it's like carrying the company for, you know, this this COVID period. And then they just have Ashino lose to Suwama. I mean Ashino losing to Suwama is you know, the single biggest mistake in wrestling this year. I don't think there really is much of a... Or at least that I've seen. I mean, I'm sure you could say The Fiend or something. But, like, as far as I'm concerned, like, stuff I actually watch, I really can't think of a bigger mistake. I mean, he should have won that title, and they should have gone with him, you know, at least for a few months. Here's something I wanted to get into, because I don't want to come off sounding like an apologist for this, but, like, what has Noah done with their Wrestle One guys? And I think... Given the way that the promotion declined, the fact that the promotion, I think, was by by the last couple of years was smaller than all Japan in terms of drawing Korokin numbers. Might have even been smaller than Noah because some of Noah's 2018 numbers were not 2017, yeah. 2018 numbers were pretty dire. I think, to be honest, there was a, there's a limit wherever they ha- wherever they would have gone, right? But well, but I get what you're saying about what what did Noah do, but but Noah has like. 
a much bigger roster in all Japan. True, true. And like they have way more of their own stars. Where it's like all Japan, everybody's desperate to see somebody else get pushed, other than Kento and the Violence Giants. And you know, I think every, I mean, I get, I get what you're saying that maybe it just would have been too big of a, you know, a downgrade to have this guy from this defunct promotion win the title. Uh, you know, so I guess that is the other side of the argument. But I just don't really like. I, I just don't. I, I don't see how it wouldn't have been better than what we got in the back half. Oh, of the absolutely. Season. But if nothing else, they should have put the tag titles on Arashi and Ashino right away. Really. Yeah. Uh, Paul, do you have any thoughts? I guess on the Enfants and the not belting up Ashino thing. I, I kind of get where Gerard is coming from, but to me, at least, like, as I said, like, just try and push him. Like, you have like like right now would have been the perfect chance to do it. Like, just have him beat Savama, and then let's see how his reign goes. Like, you have, like, somewhat limited capacity shows as well, so you don't really have to be afraid. Like, you're going to sell out anyway. Like, if you don't sell out even under limited capacity with him on top, then it's an easy call to just, like, take the belt off him on, like, first chance you get, and then it was a mistake. But then otherwise you can see maybe if you can build him into, like, a credible star for, like, your audience. Because, like, now they definitely don't have that chance because they beat him like a drum and to me like Ashino yeah he was in Wrestle 1 but like it wasn't his fault that Wrestle 1 didn't draw like the damage was done before he ever got on top of that promotion and to me like I, I know that sounds weird but like to me he was always like like even when Wrestle 1 still existed like I always wanted him to come into all Japan because to me he seemed like the perfect foil for Kento like he seemed like the perfect general rival that Kento really needs to like put him over the top like he is like as weird as that sounds but like he to me is like the Kawada to like Kento's Misawa essentially so I really thought they like they should have tried and they really should have seen like if they can build him into a proper star and now he just isn't and probably never will be and he's still and he's still only 30 I mean like I I don't know I think like that I don't was think he's damaged goods I think he could still be heated up Okay. If they wanted to do it. But I don't have confidence that will happen. And he's only wrestled for All Japan since Wrestle 1 went. I'm, just, I'm looking at his cage match. And Arashi and Kodama and Doi, I guess, have all been wrestling elsewhere, though. Yeah. For whatever reason, he's not. Which makes me wonder if they actually signed him. Yeah. I don't know. It's very... it's very The whole thing was very bizarre with, with him, to me at least. So it is very, uh, very interesting. John, do you have any thoughts on the Enfants and Ashino thing? How they booked him? Um, no, I did think it was funny looking back now how that decision seemed so absurd to everybody that I think all of us were like, oh, they're going to run this back in front of fans, and then uh, Shino's going to win the title. And instead, he's just a bit player in the background. But really, um, no, I mean, it's funny too, because I like intentionally kept Wrestle 1 as a big blind spot of mine. It was one of those promotions where I was like, if I get into this, I'm not going to have any free time. So... Uh, this outpouring of Wrestle One talent, as uh, after they folded, has been like largely uh, an introduction to, to a lot of them for me. Not uh, as you know, I watched a bunch of him, but uh, not only is he like he's where else? Once you knock him down, I have no idea where you go. I like I, all you're doing is juggling it between the old dudes. You've already knocked everyone down, unless Kento is going to take it again. So once he went down, I just felt like the whole thing was going nowhere. I, I have no idea what they're doing with that title. It is really, really bizarre. 
I mean, that is for sure. And I just did, it didn't really make any sense to me at all as far as like what they were doing here. Um, so the other thing we should talk about that I guess keeping things negative here, what the fuck was that champion carnival this year? I mean, Gerard, what the hell was that fucking champion carnival? I, I don't even want to talk about it, really. <laughs> um, it, it was Well, I know what's sort of incredible is that my incredibly hot take is you could make a case that final is better than both the G1 and the um, N1 finals. And I, I thought that was the case. I Yeah, uh, see, I like the M1 a little bit better, but it definitely was better than the G1 final. And so, which is sort of fascinating, which is sort of like gets to my point earlier is like what's so frustrating about this company is that you're – you can do this, but then you fuck everything else up. Um, yeah. And and the like, see like the booking of that champion. What really hurt it was the like okay the the ten person field was limited on some ways. You had your Yoshitatsu and and whatever, but just the booking, the way the matches were laid out, which was clearly done all in the back, just utterly bizarre. Um, if they had just let them go out there and say, just go out there in 15 minutes, this guy's going over, fine. Be- but whatever they were doing, seven-minute matches with flash submissions that just didn't fit the feel of the company, although I'm not against the use of submissions, and but and but the sort of increase in submissions, which there has been this year in All Japan, has been done better in more sort of traditional matches, not like being like, okay, five minutes, lock on, the submission, the match is over. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say, though, the the other good thing about the Champion Carnival is I thought that what they managed to do is Yuma Aoyagi turning back face sort of felt somewhat natural because they told the story of Enfance giving both um, Yuma and Kento a hard time and running roughshod over them, beating them up after matches in the Champion Carnival. So it sort of organically pushed them back together. Instead of just being like, okay, they're back together type thing. Yeah, that was pretty good. I went back and looked at my top five matches of the tournament. I couldn't even do a top ten. And I have exactly two, quote, notebook matches in the entire tournament other than the final, which was uh, Zeus and Suwama from night four and Kento and Yuma from night four. So both on the same night. And I went four stars on both of them. I had nothing at three and three quarters in the entire tournament. And then a few matches three and a half, which is just like a pathetic champion carnival. Um, you know, just... It was only five nights long, obviously, so you only had so much time to even do anything. But, like, it was just, like, you know, the, I'm looking through my notes. Like, the amount of times I went all caps out of rage, uh, like, for the, the semi-main event of the final night, which was Zeus and Jake Lee, I just have in caps, this tournament fucking sucks so bad. The designing match for A Block, and it barely goes ten minutes. Jake loses like a fucking dork again. I hate this tournament. So, I was real... And- Real happy about gonna, that. And again, the thing is, with 2018 and 2019, you can make a case that those were the like the second best tournaments in men's wrestling, probably. Yeah. They were really good. They were awesome. If people didn't see yeah. them, they were awesome tournaments. But yeah, that you know, the deciding block match, two and a half stars uh, for Zeus and Jake Lee, just to give you an example. And that wasn't even my lowest rated match of the tournament. There was a Kento Ashino match that I fucking hated that I think I went like under two stars on. Um, but yeah, the Zeus goes 4-0 then wins the tournament, and then loses his title match. It's like, what the fuck was the point of that? I well, just... th- that's another thing. If they had slapped the title on Zeus, I would even be less angry. Yeah. If Zeus had beat Sawama, like... I would be a lot... I'd be pretty fine with that, I think. Yeah. Paul, you got any uh, champion... Car- oh, John, you wanted to say something? Go ahead. 
Oh, oh. I mean, I'm I'm gonna try and keep it brief on the Champion Carnival, uh, but uh, it's hard. Uh, that was actually the episode I appeared on this year. Was right, uh, right. Yeah. Was talking about what a fucking nightmare the Champion I, Carnival. I was. had to cover every night of that fucking thing uh, between the, the free feed and the Patreon, and it be, it became like the struggle of my life getting through these five fucking shows. They were so bad. Horrible. And you know, it was weird to me because it felt like they took the formula that they'd been using specifically for the COVID shows of like short little nuggets of matches and then ruined the champion carnival by using that <laughs> format. It made no sense to me. And like you guys said, like the the prior two champions carnivals are amazing. Uh, I don't, it, it seemed like they were trying something entirely different and it wasn't like they were short sprints. They were just like, Rest holds until somebody won, and then <laughs> that's a great way then, to put it. Rest holds until someone. Well, Zeus was beating everybody with a rest hold, and and the best part is that didn't even pay off. He <laughs> he puts that hold on in the final for three seconds. Why the fuck did he do that? Why did he even use the the neck crank? I it, uh, it's and then Kento Yuma was a great match, and it felt like it got flown in from a different planet. Yeah, uh, but yeah, nightmare tournament. Paul, let's complete the burial here. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, no one can say that this was a good tournament. Like, it was pretty bad. Like, I felt like they did Champion Carnival out of duty. Like, it's like, we have to do a Champion Carnival because we do one every year. And obviously, like, the original one, like, they had planned got completely ruined. And then they felt they had to do one because they have to do a Champion Carnival every year. But no one really seemed to give a shit. Like, well, they, they did not want to do they did not, it. Happened at a, they did not want to do it. That was very clear to me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, it happened at around the time when normally the Royal Road happened, that it was actually, like, it felt very similar to the way the Royal Road normally is, because, like, normally Royal Road isn't a great tournament either. Like, you get, like, one or two great matches out of every Royal Road, normally Kento matches. And, like, that's very similar to the way the Champion Carnival went this year, where, like, there were one or two, like, there were one or two great matches. Yeah, Yuma and Kento, and then uh, the final, like, those were, like, good matches, good to great matches. And then everything else just felt, like, a waste of time even though the matches were like really short so like that's the weird thing every match went like five to seven minutes and it still felt like it wasted my time uh i guess before we move on let's talk i guess really quickly because i did not watch a single second of this uh, other than the other than the final which i which was pretty great uh you know the unofficial final i guess but gerard what did you think of the real world tag league i assume you did watch all of it oh i watched all of it uh Better than the Champion Carnival? Whoa. Uh, high, high bar. <laughs> no, um, there was some good stuff in there, but uh, 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 two individuals brought it down. Uh, one, a certain uh, ex-ECW uh, star named Tajiri, and um, Abdullah Kobayashi, who wasn't great, although I liked the last match he was in on the final night against him in Sekimoto versus... Violent Giants was actually a fun match, but other than that, he sort of dragged down his matches. But other than that, just solid. Like I'm talking like three and a half, three and three quarter affair. I went four and a quarter on the final. That's that's exactly what I gave it to. Yeah, four and a quarter. Um, pretty awesome. Yeah. So you know, but not nothing blow away. Well, I would I, say the final. I, mean, I enjoyed watch, it. I would say watch the final. The taste of the carnival out of my mouth. But, yeah, I mean, I would say yeah. for sure watch the final. I mean that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that. But like. I wouldn't say if you if you haven't watched any All Japan this year, don't start with the Real World Tag League. <laughs> uh, Paul, do you also have any thoughts on the Real World Tag League if you watched it? 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it was pretty solid, as Gerard said. Like, nothing really blew away aside from the final. I think the thing that I really noticed when I watched this tournament was, like, a Daisuke Sakimoto is kind of washed now, and it's a bit sad. But, like, he has been going, like, really hard for, like, a while now, so... Oh, we're going to talk about that. This, we're going to talk about it in a second, really. Yeah, we're, we're going <laughs> to talk about that more, like in the big Japan part, I guess. And like the other thing as well is like obviously everyone knows that like Savama and Shuji Ishikawa have slowed down as well, but like at least like Violent Giants, like they like they could still like deliver in tag matches in a really big way. I don't think they're really capable of doing that anymore. Like they can probably like they can still go against like the right opponents, but they can't carry on carry anyone anymore in tag teams so like obviously it's inevitable but like they they were my tag team of the year again for like the last couple of years and like they're one of my all-time favorite tag teams but like it's time for it's it's way overdue for them to split up like i had a whole rant about it like last year when i thought they split up and like i was right like they should have gone out on top last year and now it's just kind of a slow and sad decline yeah well, if, if they promised if they lose the tag titles to Yuma and Kento on January 2nd that they will split up. Now, if they retain those titles, then we're, I don't know, we're in for another year of what we just had, <laughs> basically. Yeah, so I think that's the thing, Gerard. They said the exact same thing last year about the world, about the real world tag league. Like, if they're not going to win it, then they're going to break up. So I, like, I'm not confident they're not winning in January. Uh, John, did you see any of this tag league? Do you have anything to say about it? Uh, I dropped in for two shows. I uh, I skipped every tag league the world threw at me this year. Um, but I did <laughs> drop in for two shows, and uh, I dropped in for the 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 Krakow the Krakowin show uh, in the middle of the tour, and that ruled actually. Uh, it had um, the Tanaka Tajiri against uh, a Yuma and Kento match where Kento gets busted open. Uh, so that being my only like nug- my only glimpse of that uh, team ECW squad uh, made me think they ruled, and that had Violent Giants against uh, against Lee and Iwamoto, and that match was great too. So, and then all I had watched was the final. So to me, the real world tag league was fantastic. <laughs> but uh, I think it's funny talking about splitting up Violent Giants because that's the only context that Ishikawa wasn't good in anymore. So if you split that team up, we're going to have to take him out back. Uh, I don't know what the hell else you do. I, I think they're teasing. I don't know if this is any improvement, but they're sort of teasing Kohei Sato working more in all Japan in 2021. And and so if Violent Giants break up, I wonder if we're just getting the Twin Towers again. Yeah, I mean that could be that could be good. I like Kohei Sato, but I don't know. I don't know how good it's gonna be, the Kohei going to be in 2021. Like you were kind of saying there. Okay, so we can move off all Japan unless anyone wants to say any final thoughts. Oh yeah, a couple things. Uh, Quickly, Yuma Aoyagi was incredible in that tag league, which I should have said. And he, despite they like he had that great heel turn at the beginning, he actually floundered during the empty arena stuff. Didn't have anything for him to do. He put over Ashino at one point, but and he actually looked good in the uh, carnival. But he was awesome in, in that tag league. Now I don't think he's going to win the triple crown when he's challenging Suwama next month, but I think. And I agree with you, John. They should put the title on Lee, but. I'm feeling pretty high on Yuma right now. And also, uh, second, uh, the forbidden door of the Stronghearts guys seems to might have been opened. So I'm sort of excited to see what that could happen in 2021. Yeah, that'd be cool. You know, I really am so glad Gerard brought up Yuma because Yuma has been fantastic. And I know some people, I think, weren't into him getting back with Kento, but I think he did all he was really going to do as a heel. 
And in that tag league final, when he gets the when he taps Jake Lee, and he's like so stoked that he finally won an important match, tapped out like a big deal guy. It's like the coolest moment I saw all year in all Japan. Uh, I really hope like I'm really higher on Yuma than I've ever been right now. Paul, yeah, and I think maybe one one more thing I want I want to bring up. Uh, it's I need to eat a bit of crow because like I really shit on them like early in the year when they formed, uh, like, I really didn't like, like, God's Legion or Purple Haze as they know now, because, like, all of their, like, weird, like, cheating bullshit and all of that, and I was like, this is, like, a horrible, like, this is a horrible stable, but it really turned around, like, later in the year, like, I really like them now, like, I think they're one of my favorite acts in all Japan, and, like, they just work, like, as a faction now, where it's just Zeus and his underlings who just, like, go out, and they just, like, beat the shit out of people, and Zeus is just this, like, fucking like boss like this fucking video game boss almost who just like beats people up and then like you have to overcome them if they want to like reach your goal so that's really cool and like with strong hearts coming in i'm actually curious how that's going to work for irie who is in both factions so maybe that's the first uh few there if that happens that would be actually really cool oh there you go all right let's move over to oh, also, oh, sorry uh fucked jury <laughs> okay yeah, uh, fuck the jury. I had to get that in. Yeah, okay, fuck the jury. I'm with that. There you go. Uh, let's move over to Big Japan. Um, so I didn't see a ton of them this year, especially after the Empty Arena stuff, so I'll be relying mostly on you guys, I guess. I mean, the Empty Arena stuff was pretty fun, when you know, for as far as that could go. Um, you know, for a while, they were like they were like the last promotion in Japan running shows of fans for a few, you know, for a little while uh, in March when, like, everybody else was shutting down. They were like, nope, we'll keep... We're going to go until somebody makes a stop. And I guess somebody finally did make them stop, uh, you know, in early April. Because uh, the last show they ran was the a Strong Climb show in Hokkaido on April 5th, which is obviously far after most other companies have stopped running shows in front of fans. Um, you know, they came back on the 25th and 26th of April with the 2AW Square shows, um, you know, the empty arena. And that had the Strong Climb final with Daichi Hashimoto, who's already the strong champion, winning the strong climb over Quiet Storm. Um, but yeah, Daichi, you know, for a while, people were kind of ironically slash jokingly bringing him up as a wrestler of the year candidate when nothing else was happening. Um, he had an interesting first half of the year for sure. Uh, I don't know what he's done since he lost the title finally, but what did I guess I'll start with you, Gerard. What do you think of... Uh, Daichi slash Big Japan, I guess. I don't, I don't know where I'm going with that. What anything I just talked about, you want to bring up? No, oh, Gerard. Oh, sorry, you uh, broke up there. I was just saying, if you want to bring up anything with Daichi slash, uh, you know, Daichi's year slash Big Japan's year, especially uh, through the pandemic. Yeah, stuff. Daichi clicked this year. I really liked his stuff. Uh, well, I mean, except for like, I thought his, it's already sort of been hinted at. Uh, his match against Sakamoto wasn't so great but other than that i really dug the rest of his stuff um i had a lot of fun with big japan i don't it didn't really hit that many highs and i thought the deathmatch division was pretty weak manoa fujita is washed and just so annoying and slow um but the strong division and the actually the improvement of the junior division and the tag division now that the astronauts got the tag titles it's just a fun promotion and so if you you know, and the shows are generally, like, what gets aired on Samurai is, like, you know, two hours mostly, except for, like, a really big show like the, the those final uh, Yokohama Bunka gym shows. So it's an easy two-hour watch. 
uh, and it's just a lot of fun. There was like some show I watched of theirs that I hated, and I think that might have been the last when I like gave up on them for a while. Maybe it was the the Yokohama John. Were you want to talk one of them with me? Am I like going crazy? No. Okay. We maybe. only talked about during the tournaments. Okay. Maybe there was some there was some show that I thought was. Uh, was it last year's Sumo Hall? Because that had uh, some dire stuff. No, I don't think I don't think it was. Maybe it was this last Buntai Goodbye Yokohama show that didn't. It looked like it had like a six man tag main event, and I don't know. Maybe that I'm thinking six man tag, super good. Okay, maybe I'm thinking something else. That I don't know what I'm thinking of, but I thought there was some big, big, big Japan show that I thought was pretty bad. Uh, anyway, but the there's stuff where they where they had nothing going on, um, you know, during or where like there was nothing else going on. I mean. In wrestling during the uh, the shutdown period, that stuff was pretty fun from Big Japan. I thought Daichi was you know pretty damn good during that whole period, but yeah, I just told I totally lost track of them in the back half of the year when everything else came back. So I don't I guess I don't have a ton of post COVID thoughts on them. Uh, Paul, do you have any Big Japan thoughts you want to share? Uh, yeah, I think it was overall relatively solid year for Big Japan. I have to say, like, but. I think the thing that always like carries Big Japan to a degree for me is like the deathmatch division stuff because like the strong division generally is like pretty good and everything. But like the really unique thing for me is like uh, is has always been like the deathmatch stuff as well, which like for the past years has generally been pretty good. Like obviously 2018 it was amazing with the Takeda Reign, which was just like tremendous. And then like 2019 it was still pretty good, like the Kodaka Reign and everything like that was that. Kodaka's reign was really good. I liked it quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but uh, like, then this year has just been like, just like, if you just look at like the champions this year, it feels like the deathmatch division from like 15 years ago. Like you had Abdullah, Ito, and Fujita like all getting reigns. And it's just like, do we really like, like one of these guys would be like enough for like a year if they get like a gold watch reign or whatever before they retire. But like all three of them, like, being the only people that hold that belt for the whole year is just really atrocious. Like, there's, there's really nothing really I could sink my teeth into for the deathmatch division this year, with one notable exception, but I'll talk about that later when we talk about our matches of the year. Okay, so I think I found the show, by the way, that I was thinking of. It was actually right, like, in the middle of COVID. The, the 25th anniversary show, I think, sucked which was the, the Yokohama Bunker Gym show that only drew a 1,000 people. It was, like, Ito beating Abdullah Kobayashi as the main, and then it had, like, that uh, very, very, like, below-average Daichi Sakimoto match. Um, I don't know, just nothing else on the show that I thought was very good, like, just a lot of tags and stuff. But I think that was the show I was thinking of, because it was a Yokohama Bunker, Yokohama Bunker show, but not the last Bunker. So, anyway. Oh, yeah, that, that was, show was nothing. Yeah, pretty bad for, like, a big show. Uh, so I think that's what I was thinking of, which was back on March 16th. Uh, anyway, uh, John, do you have any Big Japan thoughts? Yeah, I thought Big Japan ruled this year. Um, there wasn't a lot of like, uh, you know, like unforgettable, super high end stuff going on. And the deathmatch title is definitely a low point. And but I hope I'm not spoil, uh, spoiling what Paul's going to say later. There was one great aspect of their deathmatch division. And it's there. It was it was uh, the Toshiyuki Sakuda uh, Yuki Ishikawa team, who not only kicked ass all year, uh, but they kept the the no fans uh, shows a, afloat. They were the best part of those shows for sure. And uh, 
it's a shame that Sakuda's gone because now that deathmatch division is just a total nightmare again. What happened to Sakuda? Uh, I don't know. He bailed. He said he's going to be a free agent. He's still doing freedom stuff. Uh, but um, I don't know. But yeah, uh, Daichi's reign all year has been great. Um, I'll talk about him more later, but Yuya Aoki uh, is one of the best wrestlers of the year in any promotion. Uh, I don't. I, I hope more people uh, will see him now that he's become a heavyweight. But uh, I don't think any promotion was easier to watch on a show-by-show basis, except for that terrible anniversary show, than Big Japan. I'm going to try to jump into the one for the new show because I looked at the card for the show today, which I assume hasn't made tape anywhere, and that card looks pretty good. The Death Mania show from Nagoya. Uh, yeah, I'm oh, the really one from today. Yeah, yeah from... I don't know if anyone has seen that. Like, I think that it had Dragon Gate took up most people's attention. So I don't know if anyone has seen it. Oh, it did like, air. I think that has like astronauts. It I think, yeah, I think it was live on Samurai. Oh. Yeah, so it it probably is gonna like it's probably gonna like float around soon somewhere. And I think that one has astronauts versus Twin Towers on it, yeah. which like. I would assume that, like, even in their broken down states, like, like Twin Towers probably still like have a good match with astronauts because how could they not against like Takuya Nomura and like Abe? Like, those guys definitely could carry those two old guys to like a great match. I actually don't think it airing live. I'm, I'm checking right now. It seems like it airs twelve twenty eight. I think, unless it's not. Oh, okay. Not. Well, it, it said live on Cage Match, but maybe they screwed that up. Let me check. Let me just check. Maybe it's not on. That's that. not too bad a turnaround for a big Japan show. Honestly. Yeah, just checking. I'm just looking at their schedule just to be sure. But the the big Japan schedule page, like said, uh, you know, it said 12:28, I think. But anyway, um, the what was I going to say? But yeah, that card looks pretty good. You know, it has that the uh, the tag title match, like you said, with Twin Towers. Uh, Okabayashi against Kamitani. Uh, you know. You know, there's some some decent looking tags on it. So yeah, we'll have to check that out. Uh, but yeah, definitely something maybe we could jump back in with that show. But yeah, it seems like they had a pretty cool year from what you guys are saying. So that's cool. Um, you know, I think for me, like the the deathmatch division has been such a standout. You know, during uh, you know during the past few years, that just having it be nothing, to, according to most people, definitely does. Uh, it is weird to me. You know, like it's just it's it's a weird fall off for that division after the last few years. But uh, I don't really have a ton of other thoughts otherwise. But yeah, that's just to confirm that show definitely did not air live. It airs twelve twenty eight. So there you go. Uh, that's it for Big Japan. Uh, anyone watch any Zero One this year that want to talk about? I it? did. I okay. watched the Fire Festival finals. Oh, okay. Well, how was that? Uh, well, it shouldn't have gone. It shouldn't have gone twenty five minutes. Um, what was I mean, what, Tamura, what, what, what was the match? <laughs> Tamura Hayato versus Hartley Jackson. Okay. Uh, there was some good stuff in it, but. Uh, Hayato's like Jackson's pretty good, and they tried to make it epic, but just Hayato you, was a little lost. You broke up, you, yeah, you broke up there. Tamara Hayato's. Oh, wife. sorry. Yeah. Uh, so Harley Jackson versus uh, Tamara Hayato, uh, the just tap out guy that has mm. basically come out of nowhere and been given the zero one world title. Um, the Fire Festival final against him and Harley Jackson, good just shouldn't have gone 25 minutes because of his experience level, mm -hmm. but it still had some flashes. Like this guy's going to be good. Um, it's sort of interesting. I have no clue how Taka Michinoku managed to get this guy, his title reign or anything like that. And why zero, I can kind of imagine why zero one's doing it considering the state of the company's in, 
but yeah, I think he absolutely has potential, and I will definitely be watching any more zero one that makes tape next year. Uh, there's always the one one show. That's like the, the one zero one show I watch every year. So, which usually airs live on Samurai, I think, to see if that's still the case this year. But yeah, uh, you know, it's a, it's definitely a promotion that flies under the radar. Well, and they uh, lost so many people this year too. Yeah, like, who, they lost Yuji Hino. Hino, Sato, Kohei Sato, yeah. Kudo Hadaka, and Takaiwa. There you go. A lot of yeah. Who, lot and Takaiwa, like the other guys, have surfaced elsewhere, but Takaiwa is doing opening matches on the scuzziest indies. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, wait, Kudo Hadaka showed up in All Japan, right? He did that junior title. Yeah, and some people think he's popping up in Noah too. Okay, so I guess we'll see. Uh, and Hino, where where has Hino been? Also, I think he's going to Noah because there's also a mystery heavyweight coming in now. Ah, there you go. So, uh, you know, we, we didn't really, we actually didn't touch on this as much, but obviously, the the biggest story for Noah is just like with the with the uh, the backing they have now with Cyber Age. I mean, they could just get whoever the fuck they want, basically. So, you know, there's just they are kind of like the 500 pound gorilla of the. Uh, of non-New Japan, I guess, serious payroll companies now. So I'll just touch on this quickly, but this sort of came out within the last week, but uh, All Japan's president, Suyoki Fukuda, basically invested in a in a Toei, the, the film company Toei, a horror film that ended up grossing a lot of money because it was like the only thing in, in theaters in Japan, oh, yeah. which apparently remained open. And so they got a lot of money. It basically helped save the company because they're not even running a full schedule of shows. And... Uh, Fukuda and an unnamed wrestler who I am assuming is Kento Miyahara is appearing in a horror film coming out next year by the same director. Well, there you go. There's all Japan's uh, mainstream connection, I guess. So they're, they're, you're basically saying they're on slightly better financial backing than people. Yeah, do. and they're going to continue like doing following this film stuff to get exposure. Yeah, so that's interesting. So the one the ones I guess you would really have to worry about if you're a fan or like big japan zero one and all those that i guess people are pretty pretty used to worrying about anyway. well, certain people of certain standing seem to be still willing to finance zero one so. <laughs> uh, but yeah big japan obviously had a crowd from their bus so you know uh the last thing we can touch on i guess because i you know that, that happened this year uh wrestle one ran shows this year believe it or not uh they ended their year back on april 1st uh, with the final show at Corican. So we did we did a little bit on this much earlier in the year during an, uh, a couple different episodes. But I guess, does anyone want to say anything about the end of Wrestle 1 and what their quarter of a year was like? Uh, it wasn't bad. Uh, Nakajima was a great, like, asshole champion, like, just terrorizing everyone in, in Wrestle 1. Um, and it was, it was Wrestle 1. It was, like, fun, undercard, easy watch, two-hour shows, sad to go away. Um, but on, on one level, I'm kind of surprised it was the only one. Although this was going to happen, COVID or not. Yeah, so. that was pretty clear. I think that COVID didn't really do anything. What had nothing to do with it. So, uh, I no one else wants to talk about Wrestle One or Zero One or anything. No. Uh, no, but I think like yeah, Wrestle One like going away like in, on the one hand it's sad for like guys to like lose a place they could work at. On the other hand, I think there's definitely a lot of promotions that have benefited from like the influx of like wrestle one talent like i, I think it, it in on you know on the one hand yeah as i said like it's one less place for people to work but on the other hand i think it's actually somewhat healthy for the scene as well that like at least some promotions go away and then that the talent pool becomes a bit wider for the other promotions because 
there was kind of a bit of a shallow talent pool in a way because everyone kind of had their own promotions and then they all had like one or two main eventers and then like a whole bunch of guff. And now like those guys can kind of go to other promotions and kind kind of widen the like top level talent pool in those promotions. But it obviously also depends on like those promotions actually making use of those talents at the top level as well. But like as a whole, I think it actually has helped some promotions that Wrestle One has gone away as sad as it is. There you go. Uh, so the other thing we, we're not talking about here is Dragon Gate, um, mostly because, like I said, the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network has a great Dragon Gate podcast, so you can get all your coverage there. Um, but the Dragon Gate stuff will be eligible when we do our top 10 matches and our awards, which we're about to do now. Uh, so oh, sorry. Uh, one thing, since we just did talk about Wrestle One, I watched. Uh, well, I watched the debut show of Vamos Star, which is the um, Masayuki Kono and Andy Wu sort of like produce promotion. And then I also watched the show from December 11th last night, actually. And I will say they're not blow away, but they are very solid. Like the 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 show from last week had a main event of Koji Doi versus um, Yuji Hino, which was pretty good. So if you were a dedicated Wrestle One watcher, it's worth checking out Bamo Star. Okay, there you go. Yeah, and maybe, maybe one more thing. Like I haven't actually seen it yet, but maybe someone else here has. Like, has anyone seen the Great Space War? Because I think that dropped today as well. I just downloaded it. I'm going to watch it after this. No one mentioned Gleet, by the way. Oh, the the great debut show was a lot of fun. I I really liked it. Gleet, just a fun name to say. But yeah, okay, let's get into the awards and the top 10 matches. Um, but yeah, these, like I said, anything other than New Japan uh, or DDT or Joshi is eligible here. So any men's Japanese wrestling otherwise is eligible. Uh, we'll do the top 10 matches first. So does everybody have a top 10 list? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we'll just go one by one here. So for my 10th place match, I went with the All Japan World Junior Heavyweight Title Match. Uh, Susumu Yokosuka versus Francesco Akira from the All Japan February 11th Corican. Um I had a whole bunch of matches at four and a quarter that, you know, I just kind of picked one here that I really, that I remembered really well. And I remember loving this 11 minute sprint of a match. So, you know, this is what I decided to go with. Just a really it fun, ruled. yeah, really fun little junior title match here that I decided to put in 10th place. Paul, what do you have in 10th place? Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, there's one uh, death match that was the exception to the... Uh... Rule of the uh, Big Japan Deathmatch Division this year, and that's uh, Abdullah Kobayashi uh, versus, versus Toshiyuki Sakuda and uh, and uh, oh, fuck, uh, yeah, not that Ishikawa. Uh, so that one was just a, like a tremendous, like it was probably like my favorite match of the whole No Fans era. Like I'm not gonna lie, like I had I struggled really hard getting into any of the No Fans matches. So, but that one just like caught me right in, and I think that one actually worked better with no fans, like just like three guys in a dirty warehouse just hitting each other with shit and just doing crazy spots as well, and including the nastiest spot of the whole year where Sakuda in the post match was just like leaking blood out of his arm, and he just directs the like blood spurt into his mouth and drinks his own blood. <laughs> like that was just like like just that spot alone, like I think warrants the inclusion of the match on my list. All righty. Gerard, 10th place. Uh, my 10th place match is uh, Suwama versus uh, Shotaro Ashino for the Triple Crown from June 30th. Uh, I thought this was really great. Uh, we can uh, all bitch about the ending, of course, but just a really 
awesome performance, especially by Ashino. Uh, Suwama's been hit or miss in singles matches. Uh, he tries sometimes, but they just his age is catching up with him. But I thought Ashino covered up for uh, Suwama's like sort of physical limitations really well here. All right, uh, and John, your tenth place match. Uh, in tenth, I've got uh, Yuya Aoki against Fuminori Abe for the uh, Big Japan Junior Belt, uh, February 11th. You could really take... There's a couple uh, Yuya Aoki defenses you could have just slid into this spot. Uh, but this is probably the strongest one. Abe was really great this year. Um, I know some people were talking about this match. I think some people probably saw it. Um, but I can't speak highly enough about Yuya Aoki this year. Uh, ninth place I have from the N1 Victory Block A, Kaito Kiyomiya versus Misaki Mochizuki uh, from the NOAA September 18th show at Nagoya Congress Event Hall. Uh, this was the 30-minute draw. It was my favorite block match of the M1 victory, my favorite match other than the, other than the final. Uh, you know, even though I didn't, I didn't really watch any Dragon Gate this year, but Mochizuki was awesome in the N1, uh, and I thought this was like, you know, Kaito was awesome all year as well. I just thought they had a really magical match here. So definitely my favorite N1 match other than the final. Uh, Paul, your ninth place match. So, this is actually my ninth place match. So, <laughs> yeah, I think that was just a tremendous match. Like that's like the thing that really got me into the end one as well. Where like it just got me. It's like, oh, yeah, this is going to be a great tournament. Like it, it did kind of feel like it was gonna go long, but I didn't. Still, didn't really figure out that it was going to be a draw. And I really liked the desperation both men showed, like down the stretch as well, where they just started hitting each other with just big bombs like just trying to put like the other men away and but no one wanted to stay down and it just ended in a draw and i think that's really just about the best way you can actually do a draw in one of these tournaments so just a great match overall so to be clear you also pick kaito mochizuki yeah okay so gerard your ninth place match i'm going to pop into dragon gate uh for kaito ishida versus keisuke okuda from uh uh, Gate of Destiny on November 3rd. All right. Just, I think a lot of people have been talking about this match. It just it just ruled hard-hitting. A little different in Dragon Gate. Uh, I'm not going to like say that I don't like Dragon Gate, but it's not necessarily a style that like is my first choice when I'm watching Japanese wrestling. But I thought these guys were so fucking awesome, just like stiffing each other. John, your ninth place match. My ninth place match is uh, Daisuke Harada, Harada against uh, Hajime Ohara on the January 30th, the semis of the global, the Junior Global League. Uh, Harada's like, day in totality is really a big moment there in the finals. He goes against Dick Togo on the same show, and that's a great match too. But this was my, this was my favorite junior match in Noah, one of my favorite junior matches anywhere. Real, real mean match. Uh, my eighth place match, a match that I expect to be much higher on some of your lists, Koshi Ozaki versus Takashi Zugera for the GH Saberweight title uh, from December 6th in your Yogi. Um, I went four and a quarter on this. I know a lot of people had it at five or, you know, close to five. I just felt it didn't quite live up to that hype for me, just dragged a little bit, especially with the 51-minute match time. But uh, still a tremendous match, still an awesome match, but definitely a little lower on it than a lot of other people seem to be. Uh, Paul, what is your eighth place match? Yeah, so my eighth place match is the Real World Tag League quote unquote uh, final. So uh, Jake Lee and Koji Vamoto versus uh, Yuma Iyagi and Kento Miyahara. 
just like another like tremendous tag team performance like i think i really liked the real world tag league final last year as well i think i put that on my top 10 list year and that year as well and it makes my top 10 list again like just i think gerard has talked about how yuma has been the mvp of the tournament this year and he was last year as well and especially in the final like it just like a tremendous performance by him where he just really shows like he can go in the singles but i think really his best work so far has been a tag team and just an overall strong performance by all four men, but especially you, my uh, Go ahead, Gerard, your eighth place. Uh, eighth place for me is Astronauts, uh, Takuya Nomura and uh, Fuminora Abe versus Strong Hearts, uh, T-Hawk and Al Lindemann from Big Japan on November 23rd for the uh, Big Japan Tag Titles. This is an awesome sprint. I think it just went over 14 minutes. Just like, just to, like, to me sort of the distillation of this the great year that astronauts have been having and i think one of the best tag teams in the world so uh to me that was the one that stood out the most from their reign so far this year john oh hey my number eight is uh yuji hino against kohei sato on march 1st at the zero one nineteenth anniversary show um i think this is some real uh, top-notch bar fight wrestling. <laughs> some uh, some real goon shit. I uh, liked it a whole lot. I think this is the only Zero One match I uh, Zero One show I watched all year. So uh, to me, Zero One had a fantastic year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, seventh place for me, a match is going to get me booed by Gerard. The GHC Heavyweight Title: Go Shiozaki versus Kazuyuki Fujita. Noah, March 29th, Corken Hall. Uh, you know, I already talked about it. It was like a fever dream match, and you know, I had a fever at the time, so I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> Paul, what's your seventh place match? Yeah, so my seventh place match is uh, Keisuke Okuda versus Kaito Ishida from uh, Kobe Pro uh, Wrestling World. Uh, just, I like this match slightly more. Like, I, I, I kind of wanted to, I didn't want to put both matches on my list, so I had to pick between that one and the Gate of Destiny mod match. And I just like this one slightly more. Like, they're both tremendous matches, and, like, the feud of all is great. But I just like this one a little bit more, and it's just, like, overall, the like, chemistry is just off the charts. And this was just, like, two guys just, like, completely beating the shit out of each other for 11 minutes, and it was tremendous. It, it is a bit unlike the normal Dragon Gate style, but I think it works really, really well. And I think kind of with the guys that are coming up, we're going to see this a lot more in Dragon Gate going forward, and I'm just very excited that like Okuda and Ishida kind of provide a template of what like Dragon Gate might look like in the future. Because if it's like this match and the other matches that they've had, like that's going to be like a really hot one for the promotion. Gerard, what do you got in seventh? Uh, the real world tag league quote unquote finals. Uh, Jake Lee and Koji Iwamoto versus Kento Mihara and Yuma Aoyagi. Uh, we've already discussed this match a lot. I'll just say, though, I really did love the way that Yuma would troll Jake Lee to get a response out of him. It was great. John, seventh place. Seventh place, I just watched a couple hours ago. It was uh, from today's uh, Dragon Gate Final Gate show. Uh, I maybe could have even gone higher on this, but I feel weird just plugging a, show, a match I watched two hours ago. Too high on the list, but uh, the unit disbands match between R.E.D. and the Toriyama generation um, is just happened, so I don't know how much I want to spoil, but uh, this thing is like full of wild moments that I can't believe they put together in one match. Um, 
and really, uh, I'm sure it'll come up again somewhere, but Dragon Gate's uh, pushing of all their rookies all at once and turning them all into stars at once really crystallized in this match. Real bold choices made. Incredible match. Uh, sixth place, I went with Kento Miyahara versus Jake Lee for the Triple Crown title, All Japan, January 3rd at Corrigan Hall. Uh, this is my first four-and-a-half-star match on the list. Uh, to be honest, it's been... This year feels like 100 years, so I barely remember a match from January 3rd, 2020 at this point, but I definitely loved it at the time. Um, you know, I just... I, I don't remember it at all, <laughs> but that's why I put it as my lowest-rated four-and-a-half-star match, and that's where having a spreadsheet comes in handy, I guess, because I probably would not have remembered the match just off the top of my head. But apparently I liked it at the time. That's about all I can say. Paul, what do you have here for uh, sixth place? Yeah, so my sixth place is Goshi Ozaki versus Takashi Segura. Uh, the match that you already talked about, John. Uh, I also really, really like this match. I also didn't hit as high for me as it might have done for other people as well. Part of that is because when I watched it live, I actually didn't like the match at all. But I was like in the middle of like a like week weekend long like nervous breakdown because of like organizing like a move and like getting rid of an apartment in the middle of a global pandemic, which uh, uh, <laughs> surprisingly kind of grinded on my sanity a little bit. And I did rewatch it later, and I actually still really liked it. But still, like because I didn't really like it when I watched it the first time around, I don't think I can rank it any higher than I have right now. But Still, a tremendous match of all, anyway. Uh, what do you got here, Gerard? Sixth place. Sixth place, uh, Suwama versus Kento Miyahara for the Triple Crown from March 23rd. Uh, I love this match. Uh, perhaps I would look back on it more fondly if things had gone the way that I thought they would go without the pandemic. Uh, but still, uh, they always have really good chemistry and are able to, like, you know, do a four and a half star match. And they did it again here. Uh, I thought. Uh, probably one of the best closing stretches of any of their series of matches, too. Uh, John, sixth place? In sixth, I have uh, Kaido Kiyomiya and Go Shiozaki from January 4th. Um, everyone loved this match, I think. I remember watching this on the treadmill. Uh, I don't remember much else about it, but looking at my... <laughs> it's a long time ago. But looking at notes I have from it, uh, it appears that back then... I thought this was one of the first times that Kiyomiya looked like the champ uh, and not, you know, a guy struggling from underneath. And it's funny because that's when he finally lost. Uh, but yeah, I love the match. <laughs> and it came at a time, you know, like during like the two days of Wrestle Kingdom exhaustion where like everything feels special uh, and wrestling seems very cool. Uh, fifth place, I have Goshi Ozaki versus Katsuhiko Nakajima. Uh, from the All Japan, or not All Japan, Go Shizaki with Katsuki Nakajima from the NOAA November 22nd uh, Yokohama Budokan show, which was also four and a half stars. Uh, again, I guess I was a little lower than some people on this, although uh, looking on Grapple, I think I was right in line with the average on this one versus quite below it on the uh, Go Sugera one. But I thought this match was awesome. I mean, some of the strikes in this match got so brutal that it was honestly starting to get a little uncomfortable. But, I mean, that's kind of Noah's house style, and I get it. But, man, like, those slaps to the fucking face that Go was doing and the, this these kicks that Nakajima was doing, this one, like, high kick. I just wanted to scream, like, it's fake at the television screen a few times. But, you know, s disgusting in a good way. 
definitely a, a pretty amazing match. Uh, you know, if if I had any complaint, I think this might have been the one where I thought the maybe the finish was a little weak, like the because Go just kind of picks him up and short arm lariats him. I think for the finish, I didn't take notes on it, so I'm going off of memory here. It was either that or the Sugera one because I watched them back to back. But you know, in this case, I think that may have been like a flaw I had with it. But yeah, it was a pretty outstanding match. Uh, but definitely, you know, again, this, a good start to the top five here for sure. Uh, what do you have here, fifth place, Paul? Yeah, fifth place, I have Ata versus uh, Naruki Doi from Memorial Gate. Uh, that was just a tremendous match. It ended like Naruki Doi's really, really good title reign uh, from the first half of the year uh, to finally put the belt on Ata. And Doi just tried his best, especially early in the match, to just kill Ata. Like, I very distinctly remember, like, him hitting the Doi fives on Ata to the outside of the ring, and Ata's head literally missed the apron, I think, by, like, a millimeter, not more than that. Like, it looked really, really scary. Like, the, he and Ata also committed to that fall as well. Like, he didn't put his hands up or anything. Like, if he had hit the apron, like, he probably would be dead now. Like, that was just a great match of all. And then after that, like, he finally managed to, like, grind down Doi and just end his, like, long title reign and just, like, finally, finally, after, like, lots of lots of chances, finally win the Dreamgate. Like, I don't really think that I really overall, like, liked his Dreamgate reign after, but he really, like, started that reign on a high note. Gerard, what do you got in fifth place? Uh, Jake Lee versus Kento Miyahara from January 3rd. Uh, th- this match has already been discussed. Uh, yes. They, Although I barely they're... said anything about it. So. Sure. But, well, I mean, there's not much to discuss. Like, they're <laughs> awesome. They could do this in their sleep almost, even though, like, the match, by the time this had come around, this is, like, the their third or fourth singles match yeah. since, like, April of 2019. And they're still good. Uh, we can discuss what really should be happening with Lee. But, like, you know, it's still a great match, one of the best of the year. Uh, John, what do you got in fifth place? In fifth place, I have... Oh, no, I shouldn't have closed my list. Uh, I have it right here. Okay, in fifth place, I have... Uh, oh, I think I'm the world's highest on this match. Uh, I have Nakajima against uh, Keno from... Uh, I lost what night it was. The GHC national um, title match, right? No, it was oh. the... It was the. I like the N1 the match N1 better. The N1 match, okay. Um, I thought I just cut a lot of the fat out. I'm a sucker for these like stiff, kick-heavy matches that these two do as good as anybody. I had to have one of their matches represented in here. I like this one a little more. I went four and three quarters on it. I was yeah. freaking out for it. Uh, real nasty match. Uh, I'm gonna sound like a broken record because Nakajima shows up a couple more times in my list, but all these matches look like snuff films. Uh, <laughs> real good stuff. Uh, fourth place, I have the Champion Carnival Final, Zeus versus Kento Miyahara from All Japan, October 5th at Korokan. Uh Just an outstanding final. I mean, just obviously uh, the best thing in this entire tournament by a goddamn mile. Um, you know, just really like one of these matches where you're, you're just like, ah, they can still do this. That's good to know. Because with Zeus especially, he was just like squeezing people's heads the entire time. And it was really something to see him go out there and have you know, another outstanding match with Kento, which he's obviously done in the past, uh, you know, instead of uh, just the fucking rest hold eight minute stuff he was doing all tournament long. So it was a, uh, it was an outstanding match and also just a relief more than anything to see them do it. Uh, Paul, what do you have here in fourth place? Yeah, so uh, 
No, John, uh, you're actually a oh, big baby, John, I guess. You're not the high man on the uh, Keno versus Nakajima match because I actually have it at four. Oh. Like the national title match. Like uh, it, oh, no, no, he went with the N1 one. Oh, you had the N1 one? Yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah, no. I have the national title match. Still on an island. Like, I <laughs> thought that was just, like, I, it also had the perfect finish as well. Like, to me, like, all Keno, like, Nakajima matches have to end in a knockout. Like, that's really the only acceptable way for these two peop- for these two guys to have a match. Because they just, like, kick the shit out of each other, like, in a really nasty way. Like, it feels like these two guys, like, genuinely hate each other. I don't think they actually do. But I think they just realize that they both have, like, such style that they can just allow themselves to just be... to just beat each other up and no one is gonna, like, have any hard feelings about it afterwards. So they just go, like, all out every time they face each other. And, like, to me, like, the only acceptable way that can end is in a knockout, as it did here, and that's why that match is a bit higher for me than the N1 match. So I got that one at four. Uh, Gerard, what do you have at fourth place? Uh, fourth place, Katsuhiku Nakajima versus Go Shiozaki from uh, November 22nd. I, I think there are a few people that have this near, like, the their top matches of the year or even better than the Sugiera match. I didn't think it quite was hit that high and uh, the finish wasn't I didn't quite like that finish but I don't want to just say it ruined the match or anything just why it's a four and not like a one or a two that was still, the one that, like it, you said we just picked up and hit the short on Larry right yeah, Which, yeah still that, an, that took it still down an amazing bit. match and like you got to go out of your way and see of course yeah that took it down a little bit for me too but that's why it was fifth I guess and not higher but yeah pretty incredible match before that uh, John what do you have at fourth place yeah, in fourth, I have from uh, a Big Japan Karakuen show on August 10th, I have uh, Astronauts, uh, Nomura and Abe against Kohei Sato and Daisuke Sakamoto. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's the match where they won the titles. And uh, this match is wild as hell. There's a part at the end where, like, Sakamoto is hunched over and Abe runs up his back like a cartoon character and leaps off his shoulder to knee Sato in the face. Uh, and like uh, Abe and Sato have each other in leg locks where they're just punching each other's legs and flipping each other off. The match rules. Uh, I can't believe Kohei Sato is on my list twice. I don't know how that happened. Uh, but yeah. Third place, I have Hideki Suzuki versus Katsuhiko Nakajima from NOAA on February 16th at Korokin. Uh This is my, my favorite of the four and a half star matches this year uh, for these promotions. I just thought... You know, the, the mat wrestling stuff was great. The, you know, Nakajima more than held his own there. Uh, I like the stuff where they brawl to the outside, and then they go back in the ring and just have this crazy finishing stretch where they're just beating the shit out of each other. And Hideki kind of shows that he can do this too. Uh, you know, I just it was just a, a match that I, I'll remember, you know, very, very well. Just an outstanding match. Um, you know, one of my favorite things from the period right before COVID set in. Uh, I definitely wish we got more of that kind of stuff from Hideki this year. It just feels like he, I don't know, I feel like he kind of dropped off the earth for a long time. Maybe he just doesn't want to get COVID-19, which I can't blame him. But, uh, you know, he just it was a very, kind of a quiet year for him after that match, I think. But, uh, you know, definitely a, a match that I absolutely loved. So, uh, Paul, what do you have here for your third place match? Yeah, so I watched this match this morning, uh, and then I rewatched it like just before we recorded, just to make sure that I'm like very certain I want to vote it here. And it's the uh, unit disbands match Red versus Toriyaman Generation uh, from uh, Final Gate today, and that one was just 
an absolutely tremendous match. I mean, as John has already talked about, there were some absolutely insane spots in there and some very, very, very bold uh, booking decisions. Like, Dragon Gate is just, like, on tremendous run, and this just continued it. Like, Dragon Gate unit dispense matches, like, pretty much always deliver. And I think this one definitely, like, delivered on the higher end of that. Like, I'm actually standing here in, like, my Matt Blanky shirt, and, like, Matt Blanky versus Jimmy's will, to me, will always be, like, the, like, pinnacle of like unit disbands matches but this one wasn't very far behind and especially the way the booking worked out there like i think this was a great match and i think really the highlight people of the match were really i think yoshino early on and then dragon kid down the stretch like i think i can't praise him enough for like the performance he put in and just overall like if if you haven't watched any dragon gate so far this year like go out of your way to at least watch this match because it's very easily the best of the year. Uh, third place, Gerard? Uh, my third place is uh, Kaito Kiyomiya versus Go Shiozaki from January 4th for the GHC title. Uh, this was awesome. Uh, this was really the match to me where I was like, okay, Kiyomiya's really fitted into the ace position because I thought his match just a, like two months before against Keno and Sumo Hall sort of suffered from the same... Um, Kiyomiya formula where it's like get beat up for like 25 minutes and then make your heroic comeback with the Tiger Suplex. Uh, this m match, like the January match, felt like he finally clicked. He had this sort of ace um, uh, presence, but it also helps that like Go also sort of walked out and decided to be like, also like, I'm actually the ace. I am Noah as his sort of uh, tagline or catchphrase has been all this year so it just sort of like the, the the sort of the presence between them both in the ring just sort of like really made this match well, there you go uh john give me your third place match my third place match is uh go Shiyazaki against uh, nakajima from november 22nd uh just buck wild uh the only thing knocking this down is the brevity of Go's comeback after uh, the rest of the match is a crime scene. Uh, but uh, I don't know, we talked about this match a fair amount. It's uh, it's gnarly. Uh, killer stuff. Uh, second place, I have the N1 victory final. Katsuhiko Nakajima versus Kaito Kiyomiya from Noah, October 11th in Edeon Arena, Osaka. I went four and three quarters on this. I, you know, I seem to be one of the highest people on earth for this match. I just love the mix of like Kaito getting his ass kicked by Nakajima. Like Kaito to me was like, you know, one of the best in-ring workers in the world this year. And he just, he wasn't like a super focal point for a lot of the year. So I think it almost, he kind of flew under the radar in that, that respect. But like every time he was in a big match, he was fucking outstanding. And he took this ass kicking from Nakajima uh, about as well as I've seen anyone take an ass kicking in a very long time. So, you know, I thought he was perfect here as the, um, you know, as the underdog babyface who obviously did not ultimately get the job done against Nakajima. But, yeah, really just an outstanding match and one of my two favorite matches uh, of the year from these promotions, at least. Uh, give me your number two match, Paul. Oh, Paul. oh go ahead. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. Uh, my number two is the Champion Carnival final. Uh Kenta Miyahara versus Zeus. 
Uh, yep, it was just yet another great match between Kenta Miyahara and Zeus, as they normally have. Like, it's one of my favorite pairings in all of wrestling. These guys just have, like, perfect chemistry, and they essentially deliver exactly what I want out of wrestling, which probably helps as well. So just, like, a tremendous performance again by both men, just, like, a really hard-hitting match. Just, like, Zeus, again, just slowly but surely trying to break Kento's neck as best as he can, and Kento just barely managing to, like, ego out the win at the end there after he just escaped a hellacious beating by Zeus, was just, like, yet another great performance, and hopefully we'll get this match at least once more, and uh, I'm really, really looking forward to it, to them facing again. Uh, Gerard, your number two match? Uh, my number two match is also Zeus versus Kento Miyahara, champion carnival finals to me. The best match in all Japan in all year, and at least it was actually a good match to uh, sort of signify their year. Um, yeah, I I think Paul hit all the right notes on this. Uh, I will just say, though, I think in some ways uh, Zeus sort of gets underrated as a worker because uh, he actually kind of generally tries even under in like six man and undercards and i don't think he gets enough love to just how much of a consistent worker he has become in the last couple of years uh john your number two match of the year well for starters holy hell i forgot kento and zeus that would have been on my list had i remembered <laughs> um uh my number two is uh ada against naruki doi uh i thought this match was incredible there's all these like images from it that are still stuck in my mind from the day i watched it uh and it's this great thing where like ada cheats all year including after this match he never stops taking shortcuts but there's this great moment in this match where all of red starts like slithering up onto the apron like these hyenas and he waves them off and he murders doi by himself and uh on the way, he takes this, like, wild set of bombs. He takes this, like, gross sunset bomb off the top rope on his neck. And then uh, a muscular bomb that no one likes taking muscular bombs more than Ada. And uh, the one he takes here is terrifying. And they found a clever way for it to not be the finish. And then he closes out Doi, who had this, like, wild run on top of the company with this, like, set of disgusting super kicks and this super definitive, like, win with a shit-eating grin on his face. Such a great match. Uh, my favorite Dragon Gate match of the year, for sure. Uh, so my number one match, the GHC heavyweight title, Kaito Kiyomiya versus Go Shiozaki from Noah, January 4th, Cork and Hall. Uh, again, also four and three quarters. Um, other people have said stuff about this match already, so I will just briefly say, like I said earlier, I thought it was the second best match of that weekend, you know, January 4th and 5th. Um, you know, just outstanding fucking match. It blew me away with how good this match was. Um, you know, just, I, I mean, I was expecting it to be good, but just, uh, one of these matches when you sit down and watch it, that ends up just being really, really special. So, you know, it, to me, it was never really in doubt when I made this list that I was going to have this number one. It was just a match that stuck with me all year that I, I went back and actually watched a couple of times cause I loved it so much. So definitely a outstanding match here from, uh, Kaito and Go. Paul, what do you got in your number one match of the year for these companies? My number one is Go Shiozaki versus Katsuhika Nakajima. It's a match that has been talked about already plenty. Uh, to me, it was just like, I always need like an emotional connection to the match. And I think this match delivered that in spades. Where I think Noah just did a tremendous job of like building his feud and building his match. 
And I think maybe the spot that I will always remember, I think, John, you talked about the fact that, like, it looks like a crime scene, and it really, really did. It's, like, some of those, like, kicks that Nakajima was laying in were just, like, completely disgusting. And especially the one that will always stick in my mind is, like, when Go is kind of down and Nakajima just kicks him in the head full force and it looks like Go's legitimately knocked out. And it almost looks like they're going to do, like, a referee stoppage right there. Because then Nakajima just goes down and he just starts beating on Kento with just some disgusting-looking elbow strikes. Like, it looked, like, really, really incredibly vicious to, like, a degree, like, that I haven't seen in wrestling in, like, a long time. And you could just, like, feel the hatred between two men, which is really always a key to, like, a good feud. And it was here in space. And to me, it just, like, the overall package of the match just, like, immediately after it was over, it was clear to me that, like, this is my match of the year. Uh, What do you got here, Gerard? Um, Go Shiozaki versus Takashi Sugiera from, um, well, you know, uh, December 6th. Uh, obviously uh, been talked a lot about by many people uh, in the last couple of weeks. I just thought it was incredible. Uh, did not feel like it went 51 minutes. Um, I thought the way, I liked it more than the Nakajima Go match, just because I thought sort of the way that sort of Go like powered through this and managed to win and everything to me was a, uh, more compelling at least to me uh and definitely just an incredible piece of wrestling and something that i think when we look back in a couple of years uh will people will point to it as like this is something that helped may noah like a much like rise again from the ashes type thing yeah for sure john give me your match of the year for these companies um doubling down on gerard my number one is goshi ozaki and uh Sugiera. um I think Noah is so obnoxiously uh, far up its own ass as far as its history, but when it pays off, it pays off huge. Uh, and it makes up for what this lacks with the history between Go and Nakajima. To me, this match still, uh, it's like the meme where you hit the blue upgrade button on Go Nakajima. <laughs> uh, this one is so gross at times. There's a part where uh, uh, Shiozaki's hunched in the corner and uh, Sugiera is just elbowing him in the face, and they're all making the loudest, most disgusting noises, and you're, like, praying for it to end. And then Go gets out of the corner finally, and then 30 seconds later, he gets thrown in the corner to get elbowed twice as long, and I'm, like, watching through my fingers. He's making a face that reminds me of the end of The Fly, where Goldblum pushes the pistol up to his head, like, just kill me. <laughs> it's awesome. I love this match. And where the Nakajima match had a lot of moments where I was like, the crowd should be going off right now. In the Sagara match, the silence seemed appropriate. Uh, I don't know if anyone else felt that way. But yeah, that's definitely, that's my number two match in the world this year. Uh, my favorite match from these companies. Uh, there you go. So that's our top 10 match list. Obviously, a lot of stuff that you can go back and watch, I think. And definitely some stuff I'm going to go back and watch, honestly. Uh, before we wrap things up here, we got two things to do. The awards out of the match of the year and the questions. Not too many questions, uh, but let's go quickly through the awards here. Um, first of all, so what, the, the general idea of the awards, obviously, keeping it to these promotions uh, in the Observer-style awards, the, the main ones that I use for the Omakase Awards as well, uh, who would be the winners for these companies, um, you know, and, and would you consider them overall? So first of all, wrestler of the year, Flair Fez, you know, this is the... Uh, the mix of like MVP quality in ring supposed to include business, although good luck this year. 
Uh, to me, the it, the really obvious winner is Goshiozaki for these companies. I have him third overall on my list uh, behind Naito and Endo, but I think he just had an outstanding year. Uh, was clearly the MVP of Noah with his title reign and just really uh, helped rebuild the interest in the company in the West. In the West, excuse me, and seemed to really, um, you know, seemed to be very popular in Japan as well. So just a you know, easy pick here for these companies, for sure. And he's going to be, like I said, third place on my overall list. Uh, Paul, what do you have here for Wrestler of the Year? Yeah, so Go Shizaki almost made it, and he was the front runner until this, mo- until this morning uh, when I watched Final Gate. And that performance from Doi in the uh, unit dispense match, match just puts him ahead of Go Shizaki again. So I think just... Doi's title reign was just tremendous uh, in the early part of the year, and that just made him the front runner for like a good chunk of the year. And then he was kind of cycled down, as Dragon Gate guys always are. Uh, but I think just overall, like his the way that title reign worked, where he it just really was like a proper ace title reign as well, and it really made up for like the bad Dreamgate title reign he had like a couple of years ago. And if someone had told me like a couple uh, like as well like two years ago that like Doi would have like a tremendous like baby face title reign because he's such a great heel where it sometimes gets lost that actually he's actually really good baby face as well and he really showed that throughout this entire title reign where he just felt like the dominant champion who was just like always on top until he was finally felt by Ada but otherwise he just felt like the unbeatable guy of the promotion like who is just better than everyone else and who just beats everyone else and that just made Ada's title reign all the better. And that's really like the highest praise he can really give to a title reign is that it when it finally ends, it elevates the other guy in the match. And that just overall like made him my wrestler of the year. Gerard, what do you got here? Um, Go Shiozaki, I mean, what's been said about him already, I think captures it. Uh, because the my sort of Omakase awards list, the other two people I had on there, uh, aren't eligible for this sort of what we're covering in this episode. I think I would just like to say uh, honorable mention to Keno, who I also thought helped to carry Noah, especially the national title this year. There you go. Uh, what do you got here, John? Uh, I'm so glad Paul brought up Doi because I tried really hard to justify making Doi my pick and I couldn't do it. Uh, it's got to be Shiyazaki uh, throughout the year. He even turned the the COVID shows into a positive with that Fujita match. When you start seeing like new Japan troll accounts saying things like, I've got to check out Noah, you know, that uh, Shiozaki has left his mark. It's uh, it's wild. Got a hands down. Go Shiozaki. What's a new Japan troll account. Uh, I shouldn't have said new Japan troll account, but you know, like the stuff you get in your replies, you know, how <laughs> like these, uh, these accounts that have like 10 or 15 followers who just shit on everything. I but, see. Uh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> I get, I guess I do get some of those people. Uh, most outstanding wrestler, which is just obviously best in-ring wrestler, belt to bell. Uh, I've gone. I mean, for me, the obvious answer here is Kaito because I've loved everything he did this year, and he's in my top two matches of the year. So, uh, for these promotions, it's Kaito Kiyomiya. I've gone back and forth on whether I want to give him the overall award too or give it to Hiromu. I think on the New Japan episode that hasn't aired yet, I might have said Hiromu is my second overall and Kaito's first, and now I think I flipped it back to Hiromu first and Kaito second, but. I'll probably flip it like three more times for the end of the year. Uh, but I think they, those two were like my favorite two in-ring wrestlers this year. Uh, and Kaito, just uh, just my favorite from this 
this group of companies and just everything I saw him in was great. And, you know, he was in my top two matches of the year for these companies and just, and I thought he really came into his own as like a, like his, his N1 victory run was just so awesome. Just, just great. And all everything I saw him in, uh, just a really, really outstanding year for him. And just, uh, you know, I think he's finally developing into the ace. I shouldn't even say finally, it hasn't taken that long, but he's developing into the ace that I think Noah will need going forward. So just outstanding year for Kaito. Uh, Paul, what do you have here for most outstanding wrestler? Yes, my vote goes to Katsuhiko Nakajima. Uh, the only other people that were actually even in contention were also Noah people, so Kano and uh, Kaito. But to me, just the way Nakajima wrestled this year was just like outstanding. Like he had a great uh, title reign in Wrestle One at the start of the year, and then he just pretty much went through most of the like. Noah Rasta for the rest of the year and just committed murder in most of his matches where they were all just like incredibly vicious affairs and him just like beating the shit out of everyone else on a roster and finally being brought down uh, by Kano uh, to end his national title reign and then also him being brought down finally by Shiozaki after he betrayed him and after Katsuhiko just like dominated everyone in the end one was like Tremendous as well. Like his, like I didn't put it in my top ten, but like it was like one of the like last cuts was really that N one final between uh, Nakajima and Kaito, where like Nakajima just he just murdered Kaito, like he just dominated him completely. Like it was the most like one sided like tournament final you're ever going to see, and it was still a tremendous match. And just like all of his performances this year, like it was just kind of a no-brainer to vote him uh, most outstanding wrestler. Gerard, who do you have here for most outstanding? Uh, outstanding, I would go with uh, Goshi Ozaki, followed by Katsuhiko Nakajima, followed by Keno. There you go. Are they going to be on your final list? Uh, no, because I have some New Japan people. Okay. Uh, give me your picks here, John, for most outstanding. <laughs> Uh, most outstanding has got to be Nakajima. Uh, dude's been unstoppable all year. And I didn't even see the Wrestle 1 stuff, so he'd probably go even higher for me. Uh, even in the beginning of the year, he starts with the Elgin match. Uh, he's still doing Axis matches that are always great. Uh, he has the. I thought Nakajima had the best no-crowd match of the year with, uh, with Segura when he won the national title. And then all the stuff we've talked about since, his N1's great. He ends the year with the wild Goshiozaki match. Uh, No-brainer Nakajima. And that's not even just his promotions. That's worldwide. Best tag team? I did not think it was a great year in, for tag teams in Noah or All Japan, which are the two promotions that I primarily watched that we're talking about today. Um, so no, nobody from, nobody made my top three. Uh, I have a New Japan, a DET, and a Joshi. Um, so I guess I'm going to give it to Jin. Uh, Jake Lee and Koji Iwamoto, I, I, I liked their matches I saw this year, which wasn't a ton, honestly, but that, that Tag League final was really good and a couple other matches, I guess. But uh, they did not make my final three, but I guess that would be my pick for these promotions. Uh, Paul, what do you have here for best tag team? Yeah, as I mentioned, it was a really great year for tag team, So, but this one was ended up being actually fairly close. But I think I'm going to go with uh, Kazushi Sakuraba and Takashi Segura. Uh I, this team actually really caught me by surprise. Like when they actually like challenged for the titles, I wasn't really expecting all that much. But Sakuraba has really kind of like worked his ass off as much as Sakuraba can, um, which which is really a positive uh, surprise. I want to say, 
And Segura is always great, and their matches actually have been really bright spots as well uh, on the Noah shows, and really have more than held their own against the tremendous single stuff as well. Uh, Gerard, what do you got here for Tag Team of the Year? Uh, this is my actual uh, final list because it, it fits in. So number one, I have um, Astronauts, um, Takuya No More and Fuminori Abe. Number two, uh, we haven't really talked about this, this promotion, but this is the um, miscellaneous Puro episode. So uh, Chango and Kaiji Tomato. Uh, I, totally for- I totally forgot about that. That's a good. That's a good one. They were so good during the COVID shutdown. Period. And uh, number three is Jin, uh, Jake Lee, and Koji Iwamoto. Not just for their uh, uh, real-world tag league run, but they started the year, first couple months of the year, also as All-Asia Tag Team Champions. It's had some good defenses there, too. Uh, what do you got here, John? Um, there wasn't really a lot of tag teams to really think about that really made a mark this year, but uh, I was going with astronauts at first, but then I thought about it, and even though every astronauts match is starting to feel like a big event to me. Uh, this year I only really had three other matches, uh, in my notes. So I went with, uh, Toshiyuki Sakuda and Yuki Ishikawa, uh, and even though it's all deathmatch stuff all year, they've been killer. They were the best thing in big Japan during the no crowd era. And they've pretty much operated as this like punching bag for these veterans. And it's the only thing that's making these veterans look good. So either they're, they're making Minoru Fujita look good, or they're having like bangers like the one Paul was talking about. Uh, Sakuda was uh, feuding with Kasai and Freedoms, and they brought that over to tag team matches in Big Japan. Uh, great stuff from them all year. Uh, then we get over to Best Feud, since obviously we did mention the year already. Um, for me, it's easily Go Shiozaki versus Nakajima from Noah. Just an, a really outstanding feud with the two of them, and just, you know, that by the time that. That video, the, the video was playing during the pre-match video, or the pre, the uh, during the pre-match, I guess I should say, for their title match. I just thought, like, you know, wow, this feels like a big fucking deal. You know, the turn felt like a big deal. Uh, just definitely a, a really good, really cool feud. Uh, I put it third place in my overall. So that's my pick here for these promotions. Go versus Nagajima. What do you have here, Paul, for best feud? Yeah, so I almost uh, voted for Ishida and Okuda, but then I thought about it as well, and I just realized, like, no, I have to go. I have to give this to uh, Nakajima uh, and go. As I mentioned, like, it's my match of it's my match of the year, and I just can't really justify voting anything else over that uh, for feud of the year because I think they just built it like in a really great way, and it was teased for so long, and it finally happened, and it fulfilled all of my expectations. So, like, that just has to be my feud of the year. What do you have here, Gerard? Uh, I'm just gonna say I did go. I did not go with Go versus Nakajima's feud of the year because I thought it was too rushed. That's mm. just my opinion. But um, since this is the only one that qualifies that I put down for this episode, I put down Susumu Yokosuka versus the All Japan Juniors as my feud of the year. There you go. Uh, what do you have here, uh, John? Yo, hell yeah to Gerard for giving that uh, Yokosuka. Uh, junior title run some more shine because that ruled but I have uh, I have Ishida and Okuda from Dragon Gate um, it doesn't peak as high as going Nakajima uh, but to some people it does there's some five stars out there for those guys but uh, the way that feud's gone all year and 
way before it, it, it the, the tension that they maintained between those two and the timing and blowing it off was great um and it made it raised both their profiles a great deal over the course of the year so that's my that's my number one uh for best promotion for these companies for me it's very easily noah uh overall i put them second but just they had a really outstanding year so really not even close for me i mean Noah and all japan were the only ones i watched closely anyway but you know noah is a easy contender for best and all japan's sort of a contender for worst although uh obviously there's there's a promotion on top it's hard to beat there but uh yeah noah is my best promotion pick for these companies for sure paul what do you got here yeah to me it's dragon gate like i really really like the top noah stuff but there's just too much noah where like there was the, the junior stuff i didn't like and then like i didn't really like the early no fan stuff whereas there wasn't really anything in dragon gate this year that i didn't like so just this, like, just by sheer consistency, Dragon Gate ekes out Noah for me on the top spot there. And just the way the roster is built as well, like, I think they're probably going to remain in that top spot for quite a while as well. See, I will say for all the hype they've gotten, they're not doing as well as I thought they would in the uh, year-end awards for guest or patrons so far. I mean, you haven't put your ballot in yet, so I guess you'll help them when you do. But, uh, you know, they're not, I mean, they're not in the running right now for first place, so... Just thought that was interesting. And definitely in either one. Uh, Gerard, what do you have here for best promotion? Uh, Best promotion is Noah uh, by quite a bit, I think. Um, I will give honorable mention to Dragon Gate, but I haven't watched the whole year, just really the last couple of months. And, and, but one other promotion, honorable mention, I will say that I watched all year Big Japan, which we already went over. Yeah. I saw you have them third on your overall ballot, so I think you're the yes, only. I, I think you're the only one who's voted for them so far. So not a lot of people <laughs> were watching, I guess. Uh, what do you have here, John, for best promotion? Um, I'm gonna rule uh, Dragon Gate not coming first in the Omakase poll as uh, obvious election fraud. I think you're using <laughs> Dominion voting system software. There you go. <laughs> uh, the, uh, There's a lot of people who haven't put their ballots in yet, including you. So you can yeah, help. I'm you can help them out. So. Guilty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, soon, I promise. Uh, I got Dragon Gate number one. Um, the top end stuff isn't uh, isn't as great as Noah, but what is? And uh, but up and down the card, uh, it feels like everything they do matters. There's so many stories to invest in, from the even down to the openers of every show. They've taken like four rookies and made them major players. The new masquerade stable is like what you dream. It's like an internet nerd's dream. They took all the best young wrestlers and put them in one stable and have them just crush people. Uh, it's everything you would ever want. And uh, it, all it's missing is uh, Katsuhika Nakajima. Okay. <laughs> um, by, the, by the way, if I was going to dominion the shit, it, the promotion I would target would not be Dragon Gate. It would be one that starts from A and ends with a W. And they're doing quite well so far, much to my chagrin. Well, really, AIW is doing that well. Yeah, AIW is doing really well. But yeah, they they they're doing really well in the guest one, not nearly as much in the, as the patron one, which doesn't surprise me because if you like like my audio enough to pay to hear me talk, you probably uh, you know, just you have to either tune out my AEW rants or like agree with me. So, uh, you know, they're not doing nearly as good in the patron one, but uh, the, they're doing pretty good in the guest one. Uh, okay, best major show, the last uh, best category here. Um, I, so I don't have anything on my overall list from the top three. I have uh, a Joshi slash DDT show, a DDT show, and a New Japan show. Um, I don't know. I actually don't know where to go with this one. 
Um, maybe... Huh. I don't have a good pick for this. I guess I should have wrote one down, but I'm really trying to think of, like, a full uh, Noah. Because, like, when it comes to Noah, I, I just think of, like, really awesome matches, but not really, really awesome major shows. And All Japan just didn't have a great year. I guess I'm a shrug for this one because I really don't have a pick. So, you know, nothing top my nothing made my top three. Uh, there's nothing I can think of that really stands out. It was like a... I guess I'll give it to that January 4th show I really liked. Uh, the Go versus... Uh, you know, Kaito main event show, but like it's really by default because I really can't think of any other major show that I loved. So, uh, Paul, what do you have here for best major show? Yeah, I got Dangerous Gate uh, from Dragon Gate. Uh, I'm just a sucker for that cage match. Like I just like always love all of the chaos that happens around that. And this one was also helped by the fact that it had like a really solid undercard as well. Like it had like a really good. Uh, Kota Minora, Jason Lee, uh, Twin Gate title defense as well. Like that team actually was in my consideration for tag team of the year as well. And that was probably the best match of the reign as well. You finally had KZ managing to overcome the rookie Doi after being beaten by a drum by him earlier in the year. And uh, you also had a really good Ishida versus Yasuke Santa Maria uh, Brave Gate uh, title match as well. So all of that combined, I think, just made it like a really Great watch and just like a good show of the year for me. Uh, what do you got here, Gerard? Well, uh, when I was putting this together, I had to think long and hard because like my other two choices were New Japan. But for Noah, I went with Noah the Chronicle number four, which was main evented by uh, Shiozaki and Nakajima and had the Sakuraba and Segura versus Funaki and Marafuji match, what I actually did like. And uh, it also had Keno versus Kiyomiya, which also was a pretty another like four, you know, four and a quarter match. So in terms of uh, complete Noah shows, I thought that was definitely one of the top ones. Uh, what do you got here, uh, John? Um, I think it's tough because I think a lot of places struggle, especially this year, to give like a big show vibe. And on that basis, um, I think the Noah January 4th show uh, ranks high for me. It felt like a big deal. Top to bottom, uh, as far as just the the wrestling that happened on the show goes, I think Final Gate today might actually be my show of the year. The last five matches on that show are all incredible. Um, and I wanted to give a quick uh, honorable mention to uh, the Freedoms June 28th, June Kasai uh, Produce Tokyo Deathmatch Carnival. I don't think I left any words out of that, uh, that name. But... Uh, that show rules top to bottom. It might be the most fun I've had watching a single show this year. And at the top of that card, there's a, uh, a Toru Segura against uh, Takeda match for the, the King of Freedoms title that gets cut off because Takeda, uh, go figure, is bleeding too badly. But uh, if that match had continued, that probably would have been a top three match of the year for me. And Toru Segura's whole year has been amazing. And I saw this as my only opportunity to say so. <laughs> That's all I got. Uh, and there we go. So I'm not going to, I'm going to make executive says and fuck the worst awards. I mean, we've already gone like over two hours, 15 minutes. I want to get to the que- the few questions. Spoiler alert, a lot of all Japan. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know you were going to vote for Go and Fujita as your worst match. I just, also to clarify, I did watch that match live just to clarify that I'm not like one of these <laughs> watching later people. I might, I might be the only person that watched it live that hated it. Yeah, you really did hate it. 
Uh, okay, so let's see. Uh, I've got a couple questions. First of all, from Corey at QQAAXX92 on Twitter. Uh, is Daichi Hashimoto underrated, overrated, or fairly rated? Anyone want to take this? I think, I think at this stage he's fairly rated, I guess. I, like, I agree. I think he probably got overrated a bit early on, and then he got, like, then people, like, swung the other way where he was kind of, like, underrated because everyone just said he was just, like, a lazy slob, which he is to some degree. But he was still, like, I think, producing higher than people were giving him credit for. And I think now he's kind of fairly rated as a guy that, like, he can deliver, like, a really good match. But it's just, like, way too, like, inconsistent most of the time. Anyone else got thoughts on this? Yeah, I was going to say fairly rated. I mean, I, I don't think, like, people were saying, yes, he's great now. He Or, yeah, he's great, I think, is is great as a perfectly acceptable word to use to describe him but no one was like saying like he's like on go shiozaki or or naito's level or or like a wrestler of the year they're just like this guy's a solid guy that can produce a good like four-star main event now so i think he's fairly rated uh john do you have any thoughts yeah daichi rules i also uh unfairly would shit on daichi because his champion carnival last year was a nightmare it was pretty bad uh, yeah, and I just, you know, gave up on the guy completely, but I every said, match I, but I, one I, of his this year, I mean, he, he has the title reign where every match kicks ass. Uh, he's a great fat, lazy slob, <laughs> and fat, lazy slobs are one of my favorite uh, archetypes of wrestlers. <laughs> and, I, I, uh, I started calling it last, like, late last year, like, he, what the hell was that title match he had on the Sumo Hall show that was actually kind of good? No, wait, that was the one bad match he had when he started sitting there yelling. There's some other matches he had, like, late last year that I thought were actually really good. But, yeah, he, like, I don't know. I thought people were really too hard on him for a while. And now it seems like people come around on him a little bit more. So, yeah, I would agree. Fairly and even great. after the title reign, he, uh, the Okami team, uh, him and Kamatani kicked ass uh, in the the last two shows of the Big Japan Tag League. Uh, Daichi's the shit, man. Yeah, there you go. Uh, at RBX2000. With the exception of the Fed, has All Japan been the worst book promotion in the world this year? Yes. I agree. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, one other thing I well, just... Impact got pretty bad, but <laughs> other than that. But... Yeah. I, I just thought of... Uh, we, we said we were going to talk about Daisuke Sekimoto. I don't think we ever did. What's his deal now? Like, why is he... He's just really that washed up? Yeah, he's just he's just old now. <laughs> like he like he has been going like he has been working a really really hard style for like a really long time now. Like for like n- like people kind of forget how long he's actually been around. I think he's been around for like nearly twenty years. Like I, I think he debuted like in the early two thousands or maybe even before that, if I remember correctly. And he has just been going for like hundred miles an hour since then. So I think it's just like caught up with him, and he's just slowed down to like a to like a large degree like i don't think he's like completely completely washed where he's completely incapable of having a good match but like more often than not he will just like take time off and he's like noticeably slower as well now uh any other thoughts on this yeah even though he's slowing down he's still taking ridiculous bumps like he took this ridiculous bump in the match against Okobayashi uh, maybe a month or so ago for the strong title where he basically like went for like a suicide dive but missed and mm. like hit the ground and just like come on man stop doing that 
uh, from the uh, Super Jcast Discord, Rika Tatsumi, not not the wrestler, but you know, great wrestler. She says, uh, "What? How would you and the guest plot all Japan for 2021?" Um, I think I've made it very clear that I would uh, give Jake Lee the title first of all. <laughs> like I would have Jake Lee, I would have Jake Lee beat Suwama clean, win the title. Uh, I would do, I would have like. Kento maybe get to the champion carnival final and lose to an outsider uh, and build up Jake, that outsider to lose to Jake Lee. And then I would build to another Jake Lee-Kento match in the fall where Kento beats him to get the title back on him. But yeah, I would give Jake Lee like... I would give Jake Lee like eight months this year to see what the fuck he can do because I really don't know why they haven't tried that yet, really. I mean, like, just give it a fucking shot at this point. But that's clearly one... That's I, mean, I think I made that very clear. That's what I would do. I don't know if anybody else has any... Uh, I'd break up the Violent Giants, and uh, I would have the beat um, Suwama for the title. Then I'd have Kento win the Champion Carnival, but lose to Lee, mm. uh, challenging him. And then if Nomura returns, um, I think you could probably do like longer term Nomura versus Lee for the title thing too. Yeah, I I was going I was going yeah, to maybe just yeah. I was just saying, I was going I on the basis no more. title on Yuma. I'm sorry, we're talking over each other. I was going to say, I was going on the basis that Nomura is not able to come back. If he is, then then I would I, I like your plan even better than mine. But go ahead, Paul. Yeah, yeah. I, I would just go wild and just like pull the title switch like right away at the start of the year and just put the title on Yuma and just see how it goes. Like, you, like you know, you, like you're at the stage now where you just have to try something. And I think like Yume Yagi isn't the worst choice. And then like if it doesn't work, you can always like put the title back on Kento, like which is a safe choice. But like at least it's better than whatever Subama is doing at the moment. And I would also, like Astrod said, I would break up the Violent Giants and I would seriously downcycle both of them. Like I would just have all of the younger guys like just beat both of these men like like a drum and would just downcycle them to like something similar to like the New Japan dad status. That like Yuji Nagata and the like have now, so like where where they just like work with the young guys and help them develop because I think that's probably a much better position for them to be in than like at the top of the card and just on their way down. I would just have them put over everyone like get beaten by Jake Lee, get beaten by Yuma, get like they don't really need to beat Kento, but like I would have Ashino like beat both of them. And I would and I would have Ashino beat both of them like decisively as well in like short matches where he just almost squashes them. Uh, John, do you have any any other thoughts on what All Japan should do? I mean, I would stick the tag belts on Kento and Yuma uh, because I don't think Yuma's ready for that big belt. But then again, thinking people aren't ready for the big belt in All Japan is why they're a disaster. So I don't know. But uh, you put the tag belts on those two, make those belts matter again without Violent Giants. Uh, upgrade Yuma. Anytime Yuma's in the ring with Kento one way or another, he's looking good. And then I get down on my hands and knees and pray that Naoya Nomura comes back soon. Because that's really, that's to me, that's the big hope. He's the only chance of someone making a dent who's not named Kento. Uh, and if he doesn't come back, I don't know what you do. Put it on Lee, put it on anyone. Who cares? Just get it off Suwama. Uh, finally, the last question here from Mark. Uh, it says, Noah seems to have a great year for the most part after being bought by Cyber Agent and finally being on solid financial footing. What do you think they should or need to do next year to help continue the growth and success they've had this year? I don't have a ton of advice for them because I think everything they're doing is clicking pretty well. Um, don't I think, put the title on Mudo. 
Well, see, do you really think that's that big of a... Because I've seen people say that they're going to, like, freak out they do that. I don't have any problem with Muto beating Go and then losing to Kaito. If that's what they're going to do. But it's like a two-month reign. Well, the, well, that's the thing. That's the question. We don't know how long that reign yeah, is. Yeah, that's, that's fair. If he wins, I'm sure Kaido's going to beat him. But when does that happen? If it's I, if it's like a month or two later, I have no problem with it. But if it's longer, then I agree that you know I don't need to see a bunch of Mudo title matches in, in 2021. But um, anyway, what, what the, the thing I was going to say was I guess uh, you know I think they're on a pretty solid trajectory. I would say maybe figure out a way to book your junior division that makes a little more sense uh, is the best advice I can give them because it's it's very very nonsensical right now. It's not even again not even something I hate, but it's like. It's just kind of stupid. I mean, just kind of figure something out there and, like, let's have some stability in that division for a while. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't have a ton of... I mean, I would kind of just say keep on keeping on. I mean, I think well, being the anti-New Japan in a lot of ways right now is helping them a lot. And I would definitely do not... I would say definitely do not start doing run-ins because, like, people seem to like them as a refuge from the current uh, run-in plague New Japan. So definitely keep with the clean finishes for as long as they can. At some point, I would also, I wouldn't uh, cycle down Segura, but I would cycle down Segura, the older Segura gun guys, because they're always like second or third from the top. I think that's space that could be made for your own talent yeah. sooner rather than later. That's yeah, fair. Uh, Paul, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I, I would also like, I would obviously like revamp the junior division a bit. Like they have some like younger guys coming up and hopefully they'll be ready to, like, fill the ranks because, like, pretty much everyone in that junior division isn't, like, a Noah Trueborn. Like, they all, like, come from somewhere else. And especially Hayata, to me, needs to be, like, relegated to, like, opening match duty because he's fucking garbage. He actually would have been my vote for, like, worst wrestler of the year because he's just so completely and utterly awful. Like, every time he shits the bed and he's actually pushed in that promotion to some degree, like, maybe not as a singles guy, but, like, he is like the junior tag champ more often than not and like i just don't get why he gets this much attention by the promotion because he's just horrendous i mean yeah the two people lump the two of them in yohei and hayato but like yohei's a lot better than hayato i think anyway but like i just came up with what the noah juniors have to do yeah sign yusuke okada there you go Uh, he's he's gonna go to cyber age i think but he he might go to det i think he would be like, I understand why people think he would fit in DDT, but I think he would just kill it in Noah. We didn't mention that. He, yeah. he So for people who don't know, he left All Japan at the end of the year after they booked him uh, bizarrely, which I guess turned out to be, you know, the, the burial because they knew he was leaving to go be with his mentor, Akiyama, probably. But, yeah, he did. He is officially it's like he's going freelance right now, right? Yes. So we don't know where he's going to end up exactly. Uh, John, do you have Well, any... he had dinner with Akiyama, like... The day after he left all Japan, so that seems to be really like that seems like a very obvious tip off, like where he's headed. Did Nakayama like did his tweet say something like I, I had lunch with the reckless man who chose to go free or something? It was kind of funny, but uh, John, what do you have as your uh, advice for Noah? Uh, I think they're doing almost everything right. I mean, I understand from afar uh, having uh, Mudo come win the belt and drop it to. Kiyomiya, though, I do wonder after these last three matches we've just watched Go have, how am I going to believe that Mudo can hurt <laughs> Go Shizaki? People, people wrestle Mudo like they have kid gloves on, like they're going to break them. Uh, so that's going to suck, but I, I, I get it. 
uh, the juniors, I don't know, it's, I don't care what you do. Just let me watch Daisuke Harada every so often, and I don't... That shit's a lost cause. I don't care what you do down there. <laughs> I mean, that, we, we didn't mention Cena for nowhere before, but the production values like uh, that Abima have behind them now are so so great. I mean, like it really stood out to me watching that uh, that Go Shiozaki, um, you know, Nakajima build the the match and like the pre match video and it's just yeah. I mean, like you know, it's basically obviously they they do a great job at DET too. But I know like a lot of people watch DET because of the comedy and stuff. So it's great seeing another like. Uh, high-end you know serious puro company with you know produ- high-end production values under the new japan and i think in some ways they do a better production than new japan does now i mean it just feels really really like big league i want to know what those meters say so bad it kills me not Buddy, knowing Lauren, what those Lauren, little meters say just learn katakana it's not that hard like you'll know most of the you'll know most of them for katakana if you just know the katakana because they repeat all over and over again it's like speedo uh, like pow, it's like all English loan words, so you don't even have to like know the word in Japanese. But I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm like I'm shaming you for not knowing katakana, but it's not that yeah. hard to learn katakana. Come on, John. It's, Jeez. A, very simple, it's a very simple <laughs> alphabet. Anyway, uh, actually, maybe they do they do speedo or do they do hayai or hayaku or like the actual Japanese? I don't know if they do or not. Someone can write in and tell me. They definitely do like pawa, which is like power. So. Anyway, uh, let's wrap this up here. Uh, first of all, thank you all for coming on. Had a great time. Uh, really appreciate all of your expertise here with all these different promotions. Uh, Paul, anything you want to plug? Uh, yeah, just generally my writing on uh, Voices of Wrestling. Uh, hopefully soon, soon should be able to finish my stuff for the uh, for your consideration match of the year series as I've been going on. Like I think that overall, like you should definitely read that, not just my thing that hopefully should drop soon and then our secret santa thing is going on as well and then otherwise yeah just find everything i write about on voices of wrestling gerard uh the all japan um coverage at voices of wrestling will continue for the foreseeable future i am not ready to throw in the towel despite um as negative as i am actually the most negative i've been on the company in quite a long time uh but i will be writing a year-end retrospective where i will bury everyone including tajiri <laughs> uh, looking forward to that john nobody wants uh, to plug their twitters by the way i've noticed yeah i know i'm ready and raring to drop that twitter handle here it comes uh, <laughs> follow me on twitter at uh fat man's all right and if enough of you do it maybe i'll actually tweet about wrestling i uh <laughs> Uh, I write for Voices of Wrestling. I've been doing the Dragon Gate Big Show previews lately a lot. That's been a lot of fun. I uh, I play in a band called Timeshares. Um, good luck finding that. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, oh, uh, I got something I could plug. My buddy, uh, I play guitar for a, by a songwriter, Roger Harvey, a friend of mine. He just put up a big, uh, a big show, uh, you know, Zoom, YouTube show. He put together performances from a bunch of great artists, people like the Menzingers, Laura Stevenson, Brian Fallon. Uh, I made an appearance on that. It's raising money for uh, for Neva, I think it's pronounced. Uh, trying to keep venues afloat while the pandemic is killing live music. So uh, check that out. Search Roger Harvey on YouTube. You'll find it. And that's all I got. Alrighty. Uh, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Russell Omakase. Wrestling would not fit. Uh, next week, I mentioned this a few times already, but it's already in the can. Our New Japan Year Interview episode will be on the free feed. Uh, it was a great time. Myself, Rich and Joe from the flagship, and um, 
and Damon and Joel from the Super J cast. So all five of us on there. We go two hours. Uh, really more of a debate format, talking about evil, talking about uh, New Japan booking, and you know what, why it's like New Japan fall, fell off on the West this past year, and you know what factors you can and can't blame, and all that stuff. But also all of our you know match of the year picks and all that good stuff too. Uh, you know all the different awards. So had a lot of fun with it. Uh, you know that will be coming on December twenty sixth, probably on uh, Saturday the twenty sixth. So like a late Christmas present for everybody. Uh, don't forget about the Patreon, patreon.com slash wrestlingomikaze for more year-interviewed content for Joshi and DDT. Uh, in the meantime, thank you as always for listening, and I will see you next time.